series will be handed down as special grand jury investigation. Grave robbing in Texas is this hour's top news story. An informant led officers of the Muerto County Sheriff's Department to a cemetery just outside the small rural Texas community of Newt early this morning. Officers there discovered what appeared to be a grisly work of art. The remains of a bad... Five, four, three, two, one. How about we do it again? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're going to have returning guest Scott Lehman, who's one of my greatest friends I've ever had in my life. I've known him as long as I've been alive, and uh, this is his very favorite horror movie franchise, I'm pretty sure, so uh, it's going to be great for that reason. And also, we're going to celebrate a return of the Jerry's. Brief as they will be at the end of this episode, yes, we are going to do a little discussion on some best kills and best Leatherface. As usual, you should go into the podcast understanding there's going to be spoilers and there's going to be some coarse language, especially by me. And if you have feedback to send, do it. It's at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please help spread the word about Rank and Review, and as always, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get to some chainsaw. So Scott Lehman is back on Rankin Review, and uh, we're going to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Um, Yay! What's the anniversary that we're celebrating? 45 years. 45 of years. the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is a long time, and that's a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacres. And I happy birthday. Happy birthday. I don't want to start off in an argumentative place, but... <laughs> but... Upon watching all of these movies in a fairly short time period, and knowing that you're a fan of this franchise, more at least more so than I am, mm-hmm. my opening question is, what is it about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> I mean, they're not as fun, at least to my, in my opinion, as your typical Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th franchise entry. They're, they're much more grim, ugly affairs for the most part. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of movies to talk about here. But, I mean, are we working on sort of American legend and folklore? Is there any statement beyond the visceral violence, or is it just proudly what it is? Does Leatherface wear the skin mask of these people because he on some level wants to be them? Is there any statement about it? Or... I, I think the reason is different depending on which movie you're watching. But uh... And whose interpretation <laughs> you're watching. But what is it yeah. about the franchise and why do you think it's lasted for 45 years? And it's not done yet. We're, I mean, there's already another reboot in the works right now. So this will be the third re- 
reboot now? <laughs> well, it could be, depending how you look at it, it could be the eighth reboot. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these sequels don't really follow a set timeline. They almost feel like reboots in themselves. There's no in, respect to continuity. There's no respect to continuity at all. And uh, that, in a way, I mean, a lot of the other franchises that have really loopy, weird, hard-to-follow continuity, but at least blushingly attempt it. <laughs> right. And I went into this knowing that I was going to be a little bit more of a fan than you, that right. this week of watching all these in a row would be more fun for me than it would be for you, perhaps. So, you know, you like the, the lighter feel of the Friday the 13th and, and that type, which I, I love as well. I'm a Jason guy. Um, but ever since I was young, I think the first film that really terrified me was, and we've talked about this before, was the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's always kind of held that spot in my, in my heart of, of uh, upbringing as a horror fan. It's, uh, you know, that nightmare, that dread, just that feeling of terror. And uh, it's different from the other franchises too, in that we didn't get a Chainsaw movie every two years. No. It wasn't like uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, where you get a sequel every two years. We waited decade before the first one. Um, and then you know, a handful of years, it's, it's just been a different franchise. And I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the whole aspect about this strange cannibal family that uh, just lives off on their own. And the whole, I don't know, it, it lends itself to a lot of, uh, you know, scary ideas, I guess. I've, I've talked about it before, this idea of isolation sort of breeding eccentricity and that eccentricity kind of being sharpened into something dangerous. There's something that's really important about, you know, this American ideal of your home is your castle and, you know, you can do whatever the fuck you want in your backyard. And these hillbillies basically take it to the next level as anything we want is up to and including killing and skinning trespassers and using them for uh, meat in our chili. So, <laughs> I, 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 I resist the idea that these movies are deep because I don't think that they are particularly. I think that they're appealing to the horror audience for the viscera, for the chainsaw. <laughs> but um, I think there's a place for that. I just wonder why it is that I uh, love the Texas Chainsaw and that, uh, or that people are, are into the Texas Chainsaw and that... Uh, what, what nerve is being pushed? What we're finding appealing about it? What is it that we find appealing about this? Because I have a hard time interpreting it in any sort of real artistic sort of statement type of way. To me, they're about the violence. They're about the torture. They're about the terror. Um, and yeah. maybe the fact that they don't attempt typically to be about more than that is part of the appeal. But uh, I'm just wondering if you have a take on it, why this type of movie has such an audience. Because like I say, as crazy as they are, there's something fun about a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. There's something fun about a Friday the 13th movie. These movies are experiential and for the most part heavy. There's two in particular in this list that maybe don't reach that mark. But generally, when you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're in it for the shock value. Sure. Um, and, and I think there's room for both types of horror for someone that's into that type of film. Um, sometimes I want to watch Friday the 13th Part 6 and have a good time and smile and say, yeah, Jason, you go, you go get him. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's the odd time where, maybe not so odd time for me, but uh, where I want to sit there and be actually worried for these people and, uh, and want them to get out of this situation. I'm not sure what it is. It's just uh, 
maybe that feeling of uh, sometimes it's not even the roller coaster feel of some slashers. It's just sort of dread throughout, I guess. And and we talked about torture porn before as well. And I think this maybe does lend a bit into there because uh, these people are are tortured a bit before they're before they meet their end. It is the depiction of a lot of people's worst case scenario, right? And the outrage of it. It's not just the uh, visceral violence of it, as we've talked about before. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not that bloody a movie. It's the torment. It's the experience. It's the shrillness. And we're going to talk about it several times today. These dinner sequences, these banquet Mm -hmm. sequences, where it's just all about some poor woman screaming and screaming and screaming and all of these evil hill folk cackling and laughing at her and just reveling in her suffering. And I guess... Yeah, there's there's fear, there's suffering, they're sitting around the the table, they're they're torturing their friends, they're wearing the faces of their friends. It's just a whole bunch of... uh, There are some horrifying ideas there. And, uh, and some of the family members are laughing during it. Um, it's psychological. Um, plus, there's, there's physical. Um, I, I think uh, maybe Leatherface doesn't quite get the, the bigness as, uh, you know, he's not Michael, Freddy, and Jason. Right. But I think if you're going to talk, you know, the, the big four, they, they talk about the big four in metal with the Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. If they had a big four of, of the slashers, I'd say Leatherface would be the fourth on there. With uh, you know an honorable mention to Chucky, I think. But uh, well, Michael um, Myers, the Halloween franchise is an interesting one too because they skirt the line. They're sort of fun slasher movies, but they take themselves seriously. There's mm-hmm. a point in the Friday the Thirteenth movies where they just become these you know <laughs> grand guignol sort of crazy fun shows of violence, and we're kind of on board for it, and we kind of like you say smile and nod through it. I never smiled and nodded while I was watching any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, at least not on purpose. I guess not, the, not next, really? the next generation, I guess, is unintentionally <laughs> hilarious at times, but like, I don't think that's what they were going for, I guess is what I will say. These movies mean to disturb you, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. In a way, I'll respect a movie that's honest about that. If that's what you want to be, be what you are. Don't pretend that you're anything else because that might rub me the wrong way. Part of the reason I railed against uh, I Spit on Your Grave was not just how disgusting the, the content of the movie was, but this idea that it was pretending to be this important feminist statement kind of made it almost worse, right? Sure. To, I, I don't find that with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're like, oh, it's right there in the title. What you're here to see is a chainsaw massacre, and we're going to give you that. So for better or for worse, here we are. You specifically wanted to do this this bunch of movies, this retrospective on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is that simply just because of your love of the original, or or what? Why? A love of the original and the franchise. And I'm going to tell you that not all these movies are great. No. Some of them aren't even good. Yeah, I will I agree with you. I think it's more. I'm a fan of the idea of the franchise where. I love the idea of this, uh, the Sawyer family, or the whatever you want to call them. Uh, sometimes they're Sawyer, sometimes they're Hewitts, and uh, but anyways, um, just this the idea of of this movie uh, and the different interpretations of it. I, I hear you do all these uh, you know big franchise episodes, and every time I hear one, I think, oh man, I want to do one of those, but uh, <laughs> I never got the chance. I thought, you know what, I'm a chainsaw guy. I don't know if I, if your other friends are co-hosts are as big into the chainsaw so i thought this might be one where i might be able to say hey can i get uh, get a spot on there 
You, um, my brother, are my slasher buddy. I mean, uh, Lee is much more of a monster movie, psychological type of horror guy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think you and I are more like, we like our sort of, I guess, like you say, cheesy 80s era slashers are just my jam. I can get oh, into yeah. it. But again, the slasher movies I like tend to be, the slasher jumps out, there's a shock moment, there's that sudden flash of violence, and then we go on to the next scene. And the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre is not about that. We wanna, we're going to see these people suffer for a long time. We're going to see them fear the fate that's coming for them. We're going to see them see that fate come, and we're going to ride it out, usually to the bloody end. Not a lot of heroes, and um, even the final girls who survive, you get the feeling like we'll never be the same. <laughs> like, they're well, not like, like the tagline says, who will survive and what will be left of them? Exactly. Like, psychologically, Marilyn Burns' character at the end of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, she's going to be spending a lot of time putting the pieces back together. <laughs> like, it's not a fairy tale oh, yeah. for her now. She got away, that's enough, but damn. Uh, well, before we get too much into the specific films, I did want to mention watching all of these in a row. Yeah. I found was quite different from the other franchises. Um, you know, you could watch all the Friday the 13th back to back, and I could think they would sort of all blend a bit because they're, you know, it's the same idea. This is Jason. He's killing these guys. Now Jason's killing these guys. With, with this franchise, they all, I found, have a different feeling, a different tone, different direction. Um, just a different vibe to them all. Uh, and I kind of enjoyed the week for that reason, because everyone was, because of the passage of time, it didn't feel like uh, it wasn't a next day sequel. You can see um, cinema growing and changing through the course of these movies. Yeah. Yeah, we're dealing with hippies in the first one, and then they moved to yuppies and, and so on. And But uh, I found that made me look forward to the next day's movie a bit more, because I thought, what okay, now this is... Six years later. No, this is the sequel, you know, another five years later. Where are we going with it now? For sure. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the celebrity spotting that we get to do in these old 80s movies. Like, Viggo oh, Mortensen is in one of these movies, right? The infamous The Next Generation has both Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, who very well might be winning an Oscar this year. <laughs> Yeah, I doubt yeah, she's got... going to mention this movie in her acceptance speech. <laughs> we, we got Dennis Hopper. Yeah, we've got, uh, um, and it's not, and it's you know, so we got big legit names. We got Arlie, uh, Arlie Henry. Ernie, who is just such a fantastic actor. I miss that magnificent, dude. magnificent. And uh, so not only we got the big Hollywood names, but we got uh, genre names that appear throughout. We got Bill Mosley making his uh, first appearance in, in one of these, and you know. Um, Marilyn Burns, I mean, name all these people, uh, Gunnar Hansen, obviously, and and it goes on. But uh, there's there's fun to be had. Just uh, you know, spot. Hey, look, it's it's that guy. He's going to win an Oscar in a few years. But uh, is there anything you'd like to say before I lift off all of these movies and we undertake the Texas Chainsaw Massacres? <laughs> um, I say we can hit it. I mean, one thing we're going to notice is there's uh, there's little tropes that we see again and again. You mentioned the dinner scene. We get. A awkward lot. family dinners um little moments you see in every episode it's or not everyone but uh they always usually start with young people on a road trip and they're visiting a gas station where there's you know a creepy gas station you got leatherface always slides slams the door uh some girl jumps through a window and there's a chase through the woods usually someone jumps out of a freezer these are all things that they do variations of 
in low angle almost butt every shot. sequel. The low angle it's, butt shot of the chick walking up to the house, that happens again and again and again. There's something about that yeah. that they seem to really enjoy. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it's almost, that's why I kind of get uh, some of the sequels almost feel like uh, their own visions or versions of the original. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that. Well, that so sort of makes it interesting. Instead of feeling reliant on what comes before, they kind of make this year's version, what this year's version of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre would l look like. And in that way, if we can keep it separate, it might be easier to sort through than to try and call it one complete story, which, if we're honest, it just isn't. <laughs> this, of all franchises, this has the, the wonkiest timeline yeah, of yeah. all, I think. They do not respect continuity. Friday the 13th makes complete sense by contrast. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, today, Scott Lehman and your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons, are going to review... For the second time in rank and review history, the original <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then we're going to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Then we're going to talk about Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Then we're going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, an infamous movie. Then we're going to talk about the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which we recently talked about on rank and review in my remakes episode with Mitch Oliver of the Terror Table podcast. We're going to talk to about the prequel to the remake, the pre-make. Pre-make, all right. Uh, I like uh, that. Uh, what is that? Sorry, that's... The, the beginning. The beginning. Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre the, the beginning. beginning. I'm trying to keep this all straight in my head. I apologize. It's, it's the nice when your sixth chapter is called the beginning. Yeah. It's like Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter, but... Then we have our first sort of reboot, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, which purports to just be a direct sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, forgetting everything else that came between. Mm -hmm. And then we have Leatherface, which is this prequel to that reboot. <laughs> the second pre-boot. That's, that, that's clear. Oh, I think no, I've made that no. very clear, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, that last one, Leatherface, is from a French directing duo who did this fucked up movie called Inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so expect them to bring the red. You ready? I'm ready. horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from New Line Cinema. So we've been here before, brother. <laughs> we've been in this exact spot before. The last time it was in the context of the great slasher movies, like, like slasher cinema, a history. And we, although we usually align pretty closely with horror movies, we're very different in where we situated yeah. it in that list. I put it in fifth place. You put it in first place. <laughs> uh, so, and I'm not sure if part of that was just me wanting to be a dick and wave the chainsaw flag a bit, but uh, I, I don't know. But I, like I said, it's it's your choice. It's not a wrong choice. It's your choice. Your choice would not be my choice. But I mean, it, that was a hell of a tough list. I think this was a much easier list to rank overall than that one would be. And I did find that. And I will sometimes double down in my reviews with Rankin Review, especially with either uh, franchise movies or d 
directors. Like, I will re-review some of the Coen Brothers movies out of the context of the Coen Brothers episodes, or I'll re-review some of the Friday the 13th so I can judge them on their own, as opposed to in compared to the movies in their cycle. So You know what I love about that? doing this right now? What's that? You're going to have to put a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie at number one. I am. One of the... <laughs> so this is going to be fun for me to... You have to do that. Well, um, don't believe that I'm all about the hate. There is a lot of stuff that I can see and respect. But I mean, in coming back to review this with you for the second time, uh, I, I, instead of just reiterating everything, uh, that yeah. I find it an intense and sensory horror movie. And it's the experience of the movie that sort of sticks with you. It is not yeah, the I, acting. It is not the characterizations. I really do think that dude in the wheelchair comes close to wrecking the movie for me. Like, I don't like that character to the point where I celebrate his death, right? And I, I don't think that's a good thing. But I do like that upon this viewing, I, I clocked into the paranoia of the movie a lot more. Like how everybody and everything seems aligned against them from the outset. I think mm -hmm. there's a, a good mood established there. I get why it's a classic horror movie, but it's never been one of my favorites. We've had this conversation before. Let's do it again. <laughs> Where do you stand? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. On Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Larry, have you ever seen a 1980s movie called Summer School? Oh, with, yes. Uh, remember that movie? Okay. Yeah, the two guys was, are obsessed with the movie, right? Yeah, there's those two guys. I think one, one of them, I think his nickname was Chainsaw. They were just obsessed. Every Their whole purpose for, uh, for existing is just to praise Toby Hooper and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's always been kind of... Uh, I don't know. Now we're talking about summer school. It's not a great movie, but it's a, it's a you know fun, silly '80s movie. Um, I felt like I, I I sort of understood those guys when I was you know that you age. Identified I think it was probably completely. 14. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I sided with them and said, okay, hey, like, I'm like those guys, and and uh, there's just this uh, just that love for this film, and uh, I think it's it goes back to because I was way way too young to watch this when I first watched it, and it did affect me. Um, I think I said before it, was, it felt like it was something that we weren't supposed to see. It was it was raw, and when I watched it this last time, it's almost like I'm not watching it anymore. I just feel like I've watched. It. I just know this film, right. and I I don't. I just sort of feel it, and uh, and it it just happens. Um, I, I don't want to go over the same kind of things that we talked about before. I don't know if this happened before when the same person has talked about the same movie twice. That's on your this show is and new. I. This is new. But we're we're. So I, I don't want to look at it as you know compared to other slashers. What we're looking at at this time is the first film in a franchise that started this whole chain afterwards. Um, and for me, one of those things that always stood out was that door, that yeah. metal door slamming. And I probably referred to that before as well. But and it appears again and again. If it's a slamming of a door, and as a kid, that door at the end of my hallway as a child, I was scared sometimes to walk to my bedroom because I thought that door is going to open. He's going to come out, grab me, and, and pull me in. Just the nightmarish uh, images it gave me were uh, really strong. Yeah, uh, and I, I do feel like the filmmaking is 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 strong, and I mean it's it's cheap. There's not a lot of money behind it. Um, you can see it's a little rough around the edges, but there's there's some shots that are just uh, they stand out to me. Um, and we no. talked about the butt shot. <laughs> yeah, when they recreate Pam, that all the time in the other movies. That that girl when she's on the porch swing and the camera starts underneath her and yep. it kind of crawls and she's walking towards the house. I love that shot, not just because it's you know a, a young girl's butt and bottom, <laughs> but the way the house becomes kind of foreboding and it gets larger as you get closer to it. 
and uh, just the house seems feel to that consume dread. her almost. It's like she gets swallowed up by the by the shadow of the house before it, it kind of gets to her. I also like not to diss Leather's, Leatherface because I certainly get why he's sort of the flagship image of the series. But it's not just Leatherface. There's a whole family there, and that fucking hitchhiker. I mean, I, I to do lip service to the plot, this group of teenagers are going to check out the cemeteries that have been desecrated. One of the opening images we see is this corpse being mounted up on a headstone, rotting in the open air, sort of echoes the, the terrible things to come. The nature of their journey is grim to begin with. And then they meet this hitchhiker. And this hitchhiker is not just, you know, demonstrably schizophrenic and evil and, you know, seems to enjoy violence up to, you know, cutting his own hand open for his and presumably their amusement. But... He, he, he marks their car with the blood in his hand. There's, there's this forebodingness that I think I might have undercut in previous viewings of the film where I was sort of feeling, okay, well, let's get to the chainsaw. Let's get to the house. It's like there's something in the film that's telling us, even you know, beyond the title being Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that every move these kids are making is they're moving closer to this grim fate mm-hmm. and to this... Once we get to the the climactic, shrill last half an hour of the movie, it, and that's where you know my my nerves get worn out just by not just the images but the sound of the screaming and the the cackling and the laughing. It's not just Leatherface; it's this whole family. The, your your life is in their hands. They're gonna kill you, and they think it's hilarious. They think your yeah. suffering is hilarious. They think this is like a party. This is like the best thing that's happened to them for months. That they get to torture and kill you, and like in some of the other movies, they make up transgressions. Like the Arlie Ermy character will, you know, decide that they're 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 avoiding their military duty, so they deserve what's happening to them, or whatever made up reason. But the, the terrifying thing is there's no reasoning with any of them. Like, clearly you can't reason with Leatherface. He's wearing a human face over his face, mm-hmm. and he just howls more than he speaks. But over and above this, there's all these other people around him, and they're on board. <laughs> like, where do you begin? Yeah. Uh, that suffering, that craziness, that shrillness is sort of what makes the movie a great horror movie, but also makes it kind of, even at its short running length, a bit of an endurance test for me. Yeah, that final scene does feel like it's longer than it actually is, probably for that reason. And uh, and I think Marilyn Burns really sells it. Like she, you feel her terror. That uh, I, I don't know if there's been a final girl like her, what she's been through at that end when she's driving off in the back of the pickup truck, screaming and laughing, covered in blood. And uh, yeah, she I, she sells that. Are you talking about the hitchhiker? Uh, actually, I, I met. Uh, it was Edwin O'Neill. Or I met him at, uh, at a horror con, and we had talked before about when he cuts his hand. Right. And you were kind of the impression that that looked like maybe that one looked legit almost because they did they cut Marilyn's finger at the <laughs> end for Grandpa to suck on it. And so I did ask him and say, "Hey, me and my friend had a little conversation about this, and wanted to know if you actually did cut your own hand." And he, he said, "No, you mm-hmm. didn't do that." But the other one was was real. And, He's talking about how they did it and everything. He loves to talk. Any chance to talk about the movie, he's... Uh, he's not sick of it all these years later. He's still... Well, he gives a hell of a performance. He is fucking scary in that, like, arguably scarier than Leatherface. I mean... <laughs> well, Leatherface is kind of... if You could look... If the movie was written from his point of view, this could be a home invasion movie. Right. Right, where... Because he's... <sighs> 
he said in the past in interviews where he feels that Leatherface is the most scared character in the movie. Right? Yeah. Um, all these teenagers keep showing up in his house, and uh, he doesn't know what to do with them. And there's that one scene where he dispatches one of the kids, and he's in a panic. He's walking, pacing back and forth. He puts his face in his hands. He doesn't know what to do. And, and you sort of feel that there is a little bit of not really a, I don't know, he's, he's scared and he's worried. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Whatever um, his inner life is, there is a little bit of conflict there. It's there's like turmoil going on, yeah. The only thing he knows to do is to kill an animal, skin it, and put it in the, in the chili or like make food for the family. So when these kids show up, he does exactly that. And maybe on some level, a flag is ringing in his brain saying, maybe that wasn't the best move, but you've already made that move, so here we are. But yeah, there's something intangible about Leatherface there's a increasingly as the movies go on there a lot of them are going to try and make him a quote more sympathetic character and mm -hmm. to me I I work against that I I prefer him as the vicious boogeyman who who, who loves his work in a lot of ways uh, he's just been responsible for way too much torment and death for me to suddenly want to be on his side it's just not my instinct I'm going to agree with you 100% there as well. Yeah, we're going to run into that more in the other movies. The other character I wanted to talk about, you mentioned Grandpa. This Grandpa character shows mm -hmm. up again and again and again in these movies. And it's funny because for being so almost omnipresent, he's kind of underexplored. Like, is he really Grandpa or is he like the ultimate victim that they've somehow managed to pickle and keep alive indefinitely <laughs> so his torment mm. never ends? Uh, um, like, who is this dude and why do they why do they love him so much and why is he the centerpiece to all these meal sequences and like, what what does he represent? I mean, like, I kept on trying to maybe make more sense out of these movies than they're asking me to, but like, they keep. Going I'm glad back. you. I'm glad you brought up Grandpa because I do have uh, you know little notes with asterisks beside you know Grandpa and certain uh, other. This ancient fossil. In some of the movies, you're not even sure if he's alive or not. He's just, just... the first. The first time I see in this movie, I they introduce Grandpa. I assumed Grandpa was dead. He's right. a corpse, and until he starts you know getting a little bit of blood at the end, and he starts moving his arms, yeah. and I think, holy shit, he's alive! Wow, this is. Because he's, what, 137 years old, I think they say at some point, or something ridiculous. But According to them, but can we take their word for it, right? No. <laughs> I've also been interested, it's, um, it's a family of just men. Uh, we get into some of the matriarch yeah. of the family in like the more recent Leatherface remake, but you get the feeling like <laughs> something bad happened to the women in the family, and that's been not explored. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, I, well, I don't think we really talked about the origin as much as either as far as the, the Ed Gein right. sort of relation to it. Um, of course, we talked about it before with, you know, it also inspired Psycho, Silence of the Lambs, and, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, to a certain point. And they're all very different movies from each other, just still taking this original idea of someone who liked to wear the skin of other people. Uh, and the other part, uh, some of the sequels went a little bit away from that. Um, but this one definitely had the the lamps made out of skin, had you know bones hanging from the room, and to, you know just little things around the house that were made out of people. Hillbilly um, death art. Yeah, yeah. There was something on the table, the kitchen table, with you know with a chicken's head, um, you know, placed on top of a board. And this is of course roasting in this under these lights when they're filming the scene for what they say, like thirty hours or something. And uh, but I've always been a fan of the, the Ed Gein story. You know, learning more about that as a, as a young kid. And uh, not, not as a kid, I guess, but as you're growing up. 
And uh, I, I did like that part of it, the, the house full of bones and uh, just these. I, I just appreciate the Ed, the, the Ed Gaines sort of uh, aspect of it. Right. With, uh, you know, I spent, there was a scene where you definitely see a lamp and it's got a person's face on the side of it. Um, just little things like that when that girl falls into that bone room. Uh, you just see the little artifacts all over the, the house that are just made out of you know, bones or various pieces of past victims. These guys have a lot of time on their hands, clearly. <laughs> uh, I think the scary thing about Ed, the Ed Gein story for me is that it's almost over and above that he was grave robbing and making art out of human bones and that he ended up killing and gutting this woman and all of that horrible stuff. But once he was caught and once he was put in the in the institution... He became like a model prisoner. He was like well liked by the staff and considered a very warm, collected person when he was on his meds. And it's just <laughs> funny to think that he ended up being this looked thought upon by as comparatively sweet old man who spent all these years yeah. just mad as a hatter, making lampshades out of skin. <laughs> so I don't think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre really touches on that or attempts to. But the whole idea of, like, how far down the, the, the line, like, how deeply crazy you'd have to be to do that and be okay with what you were doing and not question it, it would almost have to be reinforced. You'd almost need other people around you to re help you, you know, make sense of it. It's not a deep movie, but it is a terrifying, tough watch. And if it's that's your bag, of, I can't recommend it enough. Again, it sounds like I talk shit about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I get it. It's a capital H horror movie, and um, Toby Hooper deserved to get a career out of it. So it, it'll it'll yeah. exist forever. It's only forty five years young at this point. Well, you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those films. Forty five years later, we're still we're still talking about it. Yeah. And uh, and there's still, you know, a year or two from now, looking at doing it again. And uh, it's it's got it's an idea that people keep wanting to go back to and explore. Is that good enough? I feel like we've we've already reviewed the movies. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it. You're right, but uh, you know what what it did and what it started. I find that these flagship horror movies, The Exorcist, Jaws, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're kind of tough to review after a point. A, they mm -hmm. sort of speak for themselves, and B, anything you know clever to be said about the movie has probably been said at this point. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're a fan of the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> I, I would hope so. I mean, there's uh, there's the other stories, too. Like, the one that always comes back to me, watching a documentary about it, that blows me away is when Gunnar Hansen says there's that scene at the dinner table where he lost his mind for a moment and thought he was actually supposed to kill Marilyn Burns. Yeah. And I, I was watching him say these words. It's, it's unbelievable to me how crazy filmmaking was back then. That, almost like guerrilla style filmmaking well it was guerrilla filmmaking and i think for that and many other reasons when we get to the sequel he took a very different approach not just artistically but aesthetically <laughs> yeah i think we can uh, talk about that one let's do it 13 years ago audiences across america were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. Okay, so say what you will about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's memorable. <laughs> it, you know, like, uh, he didn't repeat himself. Toby Hooper returns to the directing chair. Uh, he hired a guy to write the screenplay for him, but... I don't think he felt like he had anything more to say about creating the atmosphere of crazy or that experiential horror. This time, instead of the winky, subtle underscore of comedy, I think that the comedy sort of becomes front and center. There's a theme of family and a theme of uh, sort of identity that goes throughout the movie, but basically it's a batshit insane entertainment. <laughs> now, it's not for everybody, but it definitely, you know, it's got that crazy 80s aesthetic that I'm a big fan of. It's charming. It's, very... it's charming. I don't know that I could say it's good, but it's charming. <laughs> it's very 80s. You're, you're right. And they couldn't have made a more different film in tone than the first one. Nope. Um, there, there's still some, there's still horror to it and some good horror movie sequences. But... There's also some silliness to it and a uh, little romantic understory as well. Yes. Not saying it's quite a romantic comedy, but uh, <laughs> it's as close to romantic comedy as, as we get. I there suppose. is a B-plot pseudo love story between Leatherface and the main character, this, this radio DJ played by Carolyn Williams. I really like our central character in this movie. I feel like I get to know her more, and she's got real moxie and real spunk, and she's easy to cheer for. I mean, oh, I think she's great. It's not that I wasn't cheering for Marilyn Burns, but I think I would have been cheering for anybody in that situation. Like, you just want her to survive. This character you actively like and cheer for, and it's, it's kind of a different sort of relationship that the audience has with her. Really, really like her. So uh, she gets... Uh, He's getting being harassed on the radio by a couple of yuppies who are going on a road trip through Texas who are just calling into the radio to amuse themselves. But she, yuppies who yuppies who might be more annoying than Franklin was in the first one. But again, this is all very deliberate. I I, yeah. I, I think we're we're supposed to celebrate their death in in that way. Absolutely. I kind of feel like we got cheated in not seeing the other yuppies' death, but we one of them gets his head like chainsawed in half, and we see it you know front and center. The other guy we just know ended up dead. But I feel yeah, that, like that was a missed opportunity that the movie could have had. <laughs> that was the moment where Tom Savini was kind of waving, saying, hi, I'm, yeah. I'm in this movie. He was also mad because he didn't like the angle they used on that effect. He said, like, <laughs> from the right area, you could see right into the head, and it was really a good special effect. And But uh, I don't think he was interested in the real viscera of the movie. You know, he was he was like, he wanted to get the oh shit moment and then move on. On top of, so, so this, this murder gets captured on the radio and it kind of exposes them. So the entire family basically descends upon the radio station to get a copy of the tape and kill anybody who's there. Uh, the secondary plot we have is Dennis Hopper, who shows up in town to hunt down the killers what killed his nephew, who was Franklin, in the first movie. He actually discovers Franklin's body at a point in this movie. They kept Still holding the flashlight. Which still works. <laughs> Twelve years later. Uh, it's a much bigger movie. Obviously, it's got proper celebrities in it and just the production design. They've, they've taken up in this abandoned amusement park, which is like the cheesiest of horror movie settings. 
Uh, it actually made me sp- smile in Texas Chainsaw 3D, where there's that inexplicable scene that happens in a in a, a carnival. <laughs> sort of, I didn't know if it was a conscious throwback to this, mm-hmm. but this layer is counterintuitively like it's 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 vast. It's not just a house. It's like this vast underground layer that's full of Christmas lights and these weird tableaus of skeletons and yeah, all trap ver- doors and yeah. slides. Very brightly lit. Like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre gets a lot of praise for being a, a movie that's a horror movie set largely in the daylight. Now, this movie's not all set in daylight, but it's a very bright, you know, kind of movie. It's not hiding in the shadows. It's not about when are they going to be there. The craziness is front and center, you know. Chop Top is going to be squealing at you for a good portion of this movie. And uh, we're going to try and get a little bit into the psychology of Leatherface. So I'm charmed by the movie. While I can acknowledge that it's not necessarily a great movie, it makes me smile. I have fun with it. I can give it a pass. Am I being too kind or not kind enough? Um, maybe just being honest. <laughs> um, yeah, we get, you said Dennis Hopper. What, what a hoot is he in Dennis Hopper there, just going full on crazy. But uh, uh, other characters, uh, we didn't mention the cook from the first one. He also reappears in this yeah. episode. They give him a name finally. They, cook, they call him Drayton Sawyer. Mm-hmm. He apparently runs a food truck or a catering business or something now. And um, on top of being barking mad, he's the one who's least got his shit enough together to have one foot in the, quote, real world. <laughs> yeah. He's concerned about the business and the bottom line and making money off of his human chili. And you, you mentioned Chop Top. Yes. Now, Bill Mosley, what a memorable character that is, though, that he's created with this. Um, uh, it's just, uh, it, again, you know, I saw him at a, at a horror convention. He's still yelling... Lick my plate, lick my dog plate. dick, or whatever. Yeah, lick my plate, you dog dick. But it's uh, it's, it's just uh, entertaining. You can see the relation, the relationship between him and the, the hitchhiker from the first. I guess they're like supposed to be brothers or, yeah. or whatever, but when they're was, definitely in the same family. When I was a kid, I thought he was supposed to be the hitchhiker, like that he'd somehow survived the semi truck, but he got this steel plate put in his head, but. No, according to the documentary that I watched on this, he's supposed to be his like twin brother or something. Yeah, a lot he's of, off in the wall. Yeah, a lot of similar mannerisms to him, and uh, he does that scene where he dances with the skeleton of his brother at that one point, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, he's carrying that skeleton or the the old corpse. That's that's the hitchhiker they're carrying around throughout the whole movie. Yeah, which uh, is strange that uh, you know the first scene when Leatherface kills the yuppies. Yeah, those two guys. He's wearing a costume of. Uh, of the hitchhiker for some reason because that's going to disguise who he really is <laughs> he's, he's already wearing a skin made out of mask he's dedicating this kill to to his old buddy the hitchhiker i guess uh i don't know that it made any sense aesthetically or in the movie but it was a cool image like the fact that this chainsaw attack happens between two moving cars is pretty crazy Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's out there. But the movie doesn't really pretend to exist in the real world, which is to its benefit, considering how ludicrous things progressively get. There's also a strangely kind of sweet relationship between the Carolyn Williams character and uh, the other guy who works at the radio station. This real ugly yeah. cowpoke dude who's always LG. yeah, he's always spitting and saying the wrong thing, but clearly has a big crush on her, and it's not necessarily requited, but you know, he doesn't deserve the fate that befalls him. There's a little bit, oh, that sucks, dude. 
and he gets killed two or three times in the movie. <laughs> he just oh. he's he just will not fucking die. He's the energizer bunny. <laughs> and uh, the, again, the first death with the the mallet in the head is brutal enough. Yeah, uh, and then he actually gets skin, skin. peeled off and. Uh, she has to wear his face for a while, then he wakes oh, up geez. faceless, finally dies, and there's this just macabre scene of her putting his face back on him and trying to make him look better. <laughs> like, oh, you know, seriously, like, say what we will about some of the silliness in, in the comedy in it, that is actually a horrifying oh, idea, right? Absolutely. It's, uh, she's, you know, Leatherface has kind of got a little thing for this girl, and he, here, put this face on, and, and you're, you're supposed to wear this wet face of your friend that he just peeled off of him yeah and and the guy was a bit of adult and like you know like you could understand why she wasn't attracted to him but like there was well, a sweetness the, to him too right yeah you hit the spitting was one thing he wanted his character kept spitting even in his death yeah. when he's getting hit in the head he still spits yeah just <laughs> as a punchline he's just spitting his stuff to the side he well he didn't have a lot of options at that point it was just staying true to character yeah but again he didn't have a ton of screen time, but you knew him, you liked him, you felt bad that he died. And that's what's missing in a lot of horror movies, especially slasher movies. <clears throat> because so many characters don't get a lot of screen time, you don't get to know them or like them the way they could to make their deaths really count. You kind of figure out who the you know survivor girl's going to be, and you just make a point of not getting too attached to anybody to the left or right. This guy kind of snuck in under the door, and I appreciated that from a performance and execution level. What else can we talk about? I mean, we talked about Grandpa. Yeah, Grandpa is back. also, Grandpa carries on to the second film. And he actually looks a little bit better in the second than the first. He's uh, found the Fountain of Youth, <laughs> you know, where he's actually moving a little bit. Yep. He's, he's still not super good with the hammer, but uh, he sure tries. <laughs> but it's still fun to see. <laughs> not fun, but everyone still jumps up and down. Come on, Grandpa's the best. Grandpa was the best. Grandpa's here. Sweet. I'm waiting for that prequel for Grandpa. I want to see, you know, what's the history behind Grandpa? Where's his inner life? Like, like, does he have really deep conversations with them on other days when they're not doing the killing? Like, why do they love Grandpa so yeah, much? If you're scared of Leatherface, you should have seen Grandpa in his prime. <laughs> exactly. He was the shit. I also get the feeling with this sequel that, you know, Toby Hooper didn't make as much money off of the original movie as he should have because the distribution kind of got pirated away from him and... He got a career, but mm -hmm. he didn't make the fortune that he probably should have. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was also an opportunity for him to make some cash out of the name. Sort of the same reason Romero did the remake of Night of the Living Dead, so he could finally make some cash off of the title. Um, but you also get the feeling like he's making a sequel where he's going to leave it in a place where you couldn't really possibly make another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He literally explodes every character except for the main female at the end of the movie. Yeah. And uh, doesn't leave you in a really easy place for the next sequel. Uh, and it seemed almost conscious that he did that. And in that way, like, I can partially forgive the series for its discontinuity. Because you're going to want to have Leatherface, at the very least, in this movie. And, you know, Leatherface gets chainsawed through the gut and exploded in this movie. Yeah, there's, there's going to be no sequel to this one, for sure. <laughs> and that feels like a deliberate move on, on Toby Hooper's part. Like, it's like, I'm going to make another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. It's going to be nothing like the original, and I'm going to leave it in literally ruins and ashes. Not necessarily that yeah. it's not satisfying to watch, but that... That's it for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as far as he's concerned. 
And say what you will, it's a batshit ending, but there's something about it. The, her enemies have been defeated, but she's been rendered completely crazy. And she's basically doing a parallel of the Leatherface dance on the highway on top of this huge, ridiculous structure on the top of the abandoned, you know, carnival place or whatever. And that's where we leave it, you know. She just, yeah. she's The police aren't there putting a blanket over her shoulders and saying they're there. She's like just... <laughs> completely deranged will she come back from it we don't know because sadly that character doesn't appear again in the series and uh i think it's a miss i think it's one of the strongest characters through the whole series as far as i'm concerned you know what she does appear again but not as the same character right no they well apparently she's supposed to be the same character oh, okay. so it's in the background i think it's in the next one right, right. she's a news reporter uh, but they just kind of pan over her right. when she's, you know, uh, doing a news report at the scene of a crime. And but they don't... One, of the com- one of the commentaries or someone, they wanted to indicate that, yeah, no, she's okay now. She's moved on. Okay. And then now she's a news reporter. But whatever. <laughs> if, if that's just, you know, But they didn't the use no that reason. character, at least in any real way, beyond no. winking or a little nod and a hello. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. They, they were going to put a nail in the coffin here with... Uh, as you said, Leatherface gets a chainsaw through his stomach, coming out his back. Yeah. You're not going to walk away from that one. Um, and everyone else gets blown up by a grenade. So, and the, that crazy dude, the who, the papa, the, the cook, whatever, gets the chainsaw up his ass, <laughs> and uh, he's hiding under the table for a few minutes. It seems before he realizes the gravity of the injury that he has suffered, and even when he does, hey, that's not good. Yeah, he's like, uh oh, <laughs> like it's still not an appropriate response. Oh, this is a mortal injury. My life Doesn't is rapidly. Some- Winding Doesn't down. say something about how that's going to affect his hemorrhoids or something? <laughs> <laughs> cool under pressure. Cool under pressure. Yeah. Uh, it's moments like that that makes the movie kind of impossible to take seriously, but make it fun. And I guess I go back to where I started with our introduction here, where I say I prefer my horror movies a little bit fun. Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre 2 by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, measure is fun. I appreciate it. I think that. it's... I think you're right. I don't think they're going to reach this level of fun again. No. Or try um, they're to. Gonna, no, they're going to try and reach some levels of crazy. Yeah. But it's not going to be quite the same kind of crazy. Um, you're not going to have your lead girl saying a line like, this is not going to work out. <laughs> Which is how she kind of breaks up with <laughs> Leatherface. Not breaks up, right? So, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. Oh, I guess we should mention, too, the fairly infamous scene with the the confrontation between her and Leatherface where he's got the chainsaw re- between her legs and mm-hmm. she's trying to convince him, you're good, right? There's some good in you. And he's thinking about it, but while he's thinking about it, he's trying like hell to get the chainsaw to start. <laughs> yeah, and he's making a sort of a humping motion. Like yeah. you can totally see that the chainsaw is his... It's not his handled in any member. kind of tactful way, but I yeah. mean, it is... Like, it's an uncomfortable and memorable scene in a pretty memorable sequel. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's it's more graphic than the first. I think we touched on. Yeah. Savini gets to have a little bit of fun doing what he does. Um, more graphic, but less real, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that fun graphicness. And as soon as it's over, you're thinking, wow, that was a crazy movie. <laughs> and I've had a weird relationship with this movie my whole life. Sometimes I like it. And sometimes I'm not sure what I think about it. And sometimes I have a great time. I think when I first seen it, it was so different from the first. 
It's like, jarring. This is this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Then I, you know, you give it some time, watch it again, knowing what it is, and it's a riot. And uh, it's kind of I the really, Evil Dead. I really enjoyed too. it this time. It's kind of an Evil Dead too. To to Texas Chainsaw's Evil Dead, in some yeah. ways, right? Like they just they just let the humor out in a much bigger degree, and they don't lose the horror. They just make the horror a little more palatable through that choice. And I think maybe that was my problem when I was first watching it in my younger years. You wanted uh, it to not, be not, fucking hard. <laughs> I, well, I didn't realize that it was supposed to be funny. Oh, okay. I, I seen there there was comedy there, but I was wondering if that was supposed to be there or if it was just bad writing. Right. I said, well, this isn't scary. That's silly. Then I realized, oh, it's supposed to be silly. Yeah. Ah, I like this movie now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It knows what it is. In a way that, as we go to Leatherface Part Three, I don't think Leatherface quite knows what it is. Like there's there is a scene in the in the radio station when we first meet Chop Top meeting Stretch. Uh, I think that's a great scene. The interaction between the two. She's scared because he's this creepy fellow. He's aggressively and, strange. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's got that thing where he itches the plate on his head or he burns a coat hanger and then itches the plate and then eats whatever skin he gets off and that's always been disturbing to me and she's given him you know he's looking around the radio station and he wants to tour and there's that jump scare where Leatherface jumps out of the record room yeah works yeah and I think that's a, that whole scene I think works in there's some humor but it's uncomfortable humor and you're sort of weirded out by this guy and uh, and then the big jump at the end so there, there is stuff that works on both levels here at the same time. Yeah, there's that. They're just sort of playing with that. You, you, you have to be careful how you deal with this person. You don't know what you're dealing with. You know they're a little bit off. So you're, you got to be careful and cautious and polite. But you're treading water. She doesn't realize just how much danger she's in until you know Leatherface bolts out of the record room, as you say. But no, that that sequence absolutely works, and both the funny and the scary simultaneously. Is there anything else you want to say about part two? No, I wonder what they're going to do in part three. (laughs) Some tales are told, then soon forgotten. But a legend is forever. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Now, from the producers of A Nightmare on Elm Street, the real terror begins November 3rd. So, there was, I'm rolling. There was some radio silence from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise for a while, but in 1990, New Line acquired the rights to the franchise and they wanted, you know, to add it to their stable of horror icons. Uh, there's a famous trailer where uh, Leatherface appears and gets thrown his his chainsaw by, like, the lady in the lake. <laughs> it was this, like, aw shucks, welcome return. Leatherface is back, baby. And uh, they, they released an unrated edition, so in the, theatrics, in the theatrical release was tamer, but they were like, we're going to bring it for you. We're going to bring it for the, you know, traditional Texas Chainsaw Massacre fans. And... 
One of the many things I find disappointing about Leatherface is how comparably kind of tame it is by Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, styles. Like, there's not a lot of death in the movie. It, it seems to be going back to part one and that they're trying to sort of express the insanity of the situation, the craziness, the torment. But it seems yeah. unwilling or unable to pull the trigger all the way to be a really full-blooded Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. There's moments where it's almost there, and there's scenes that I kind of find amusing. The entire, you know, presence of uh, Ken Forey in the movie, I just find amusing. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I can't really go so far as to say that I endorse it. It's certainly not one of my favorites of the franchise. And it's weird because it's coming right in that time frame where this is, I would have seen it at the right age, it would have been right on my level. But... I've always sort of felt disappointed by Leatherface, and it's remained to this day. Uh, are we going to be fighting over this one? No, I think uh, I'm going to use your your two word review for it and say it's fine. Right. It's, uh, it's it's one of those where I remember this in what was 1990. Yeah. So we've had Chainsaw Massacre in the 70s and 80s. One now we're hitting the 90s. Uh, I seen this when it came out, and for some reason, I liked it as a kid. Right. I'm not sure if it's because there was not a lot of plot to it, or it was just a simple slasher film. There's a little bit of metal at the end in the soundtrack, and I think that maybe spoke to me. I don't know. Rewatching it again now, I see it's it's not a great movie. It's just a Chainsaw Massacre sequel, and there's nothing really that stands out too much from it, other than what's not in it, perhaps. Like you talked about the R rating and the unrated version. Right. Um, I think there's still a version out there that we're never going to see. Then that's the one where they were going to be they were going to be given an X rating. Right. And so they had to make a lot of cuts. And I have both versions, and I've seen the unrated. And if that's all the cuts they had to make, there's got to be more somewhere because it's really not that graphic, really. The movie doesn't have a lot of story, and it doesn't have a lot to do with it. There's a, a couple from California who are driving through Texas, and they're bickering. They're not super likable. Uh, one of them, the male of the two, uh, is kind of an interesting cause, actor because he has been killed by Jason Voorhees in the past. So he has been killed in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and a Friday the 13th movie, so good for him. <laughs> um, but, I mean... We get to know them a little bit, but I'm sort of indifferent. I don't feel super invested in them. And the movie seems to spend a really long time in two places, with, with Ken Foray running around in the woods and this woman literally nailed to a kitchen, ta or a kitchen chair and her boyfriend strung up upside down. And we cut to a circular conversation that goes nowhere in that kitchen to Ken Foray running around in the woods in <laughs> seeming circles as well. And there's large swaths of the movie where it feels like we're not moving forward at all. You can just feel the, the tires spinning in mud. And unfortunately, once they do finally pull the trigger on the violence, it doesn't really pay off in the way, in any way that I expect it to. I like, the gore isn't really there for me, and the, oh, shit, that sucks isn't really there for me. Uh, yeah, Ken Ferrari kind of dispatches everyone quickly in a gunfight. Yeah, he shoots From outside, shoots through the window. And in a random spray, too. <laughs> I wish he would have been a little bit more concise if that was the approach he was going to take. The Ken Foray character is a really interesting one. hes It's like over a half an hour into the movie where he shows up, and he's just like a guy who's in the wrong place at the wrong time, gets in a car accident, and gets sucked into this 
Bray. But it seems like he's one of these secondary tertiary characters who's there to get killed. And they keep on creating scenes where he's going to get killed, and he doesn't. They're like trolling us with it. Uh, this will seem like an aside. Have you seen Crawl? Oh, the new... Uh, the, the, the Gator movie? Crocodile movie. I haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. Well, it, it's sort of trolling us with expectations. Crawl does that in the same way. There's, there's a character in Crawl who we're really expecting to get it, and they, they keep on taking advantage of that. I, I felt that happen again and again in this movie. Like, this is the scene where Ken Foray is going to get it. Nope, he got out of this one. Oh, it looks like they got him that time. Nope, he's alive yep. again. Nope, he got hit down. Oh, he's dead for sure this time. Nope, he's alive again. And it did actually become funny to me. Like, it was almost like he was the wily coyote. He just kept on getting hit and beat down and yeah. kept on coming back for more. But he is the heroic figure of the movie. All this time we're spending with the main you know, character, this this female character, she really is not that, doesn't have a lot of cards to play narratively in the story at all. It sort of becomes Ken Forey's movie after a point. Yeah. Well, he actually, and he dies at the end as well, too. And then, nope. 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 <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, well, the original ending, he did have the side of his head sawed open, and right. that would have been, you know, for... The X-rated which version. Which you're looking for. Yeah, and there were some violence in that. Um, the ratings board made them cut that scene. They couldn't show. Right. So they said, okay, we'll, we'll make him sort of die a little bit less graphically then. How about that? So they did that. Test audiences did not like it because they loved the character. Right. They wanted him to thrive. So what I heard is they, they rewrote the ending to make him come back at the end with a little scratch on his head, barely, mm -hmm. and uh, because their thought was sequel. With that, we want to make him survive for the sequel. Right. Uh, he didn't make the sequel, though. No, alas. <laughs> alas. Although, I'm sure he doesn't regret it. I do like that actor. I, I always like, I'm always happy to see him. Everybody loves Dawn of the Dead, and, you know. Uh, it's just funny. There's this weird committee feel to the movie. Like, everybody had a different idea, and all of their ideas were respected. And in the end, we just came up with this sort of sludgy mess. It has its moments. Uh, we should mention Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> uh, more bad guys die in this movie than good guys. The body count's quite low, and most of the death, like I say, are villains. But yeah. it's interesting because it's an early role for him. He's an, a young actor who's probably happy to get any part. But everything I know about Viggo Mortensen probably tells him that this wasn't his life's ambition <laughs> to be in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. And there is something on his face that seems a little bit uncomfortable. He's charming and he's good looking and he works as a lure for them. Like uh, he could seem very normal and he could lure people in. You understand like the role it is there. But I don't think it's the right fit for that actor. It's interesting to see him in the movie, he's, but I don't I know think that it works. He seems too clean and uh, normal put together, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you oh. live with Leatherface, if like Leatherface is in the next room with you, your whole life. <laughs> Clean up in here. I'm bringing, I'm bringing a girl over. One it, thing I we talk about continuity. Yeah, let's bring that up here for this sequel. Um, is this a sequel to part two, or is this a sequel to part one? Because uh, again, we start with a voiceover and a text crawl on the screen, like we do with. I All think pretty, pretty much every much. movie in this series. And and it starts getting a little iffy here. And it seems to be their own take on the idea because it, it does acknowledge the original events. It mentions Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. Right. Um, they mentioned Sally died in a private healthcare facility in 1977. 
which part two doesn't make mention of that. Um, part two says the family was never found. This crawl says a single member of the murderer's family lived to see trial and died in the gas chamber in 1981. So I'm wondering, okay, so is this negating part two never happened? I Obviously, guess. Leatherface doesn't have a hole in his belly where the chainsaw went in. He wears a knee brace, yeah. perhaps from the injury in part one, where, where he, he cuts cut his, his own leg. leg. Yeah. Or, maybe he's got ar- or maybe he's got arthritis, <laughs> and he's, uh, he, he went to see the doctor, got fitted for a knee brace. It seemed a little strange, but... I think they're assuming that Texas Chainsaw Massacre didn't happen. But that's interesting, considering Toby Hooper made both of those movies. But Leatherface, they believed, was the key ingredient. No Leatherface, no movie, right? It's the title on the third movie, Leatherface. Yeah, and this is a different family he's with. Does he have extended family all over Texas where he just, all right, well, now the amusement park's blown up. Now i got to go find my uncle Vigo and live with him for a while. And uh, Yeah. I think they were just sort of playing with the different sort of archetypal characters of the of the family, and they decided they needed a, a more human face on the family. In the next movie, that'll be represented by Matthew McConaughey, but uh, yeah. in all of the movies going forward, almost, we'll encounter a character who seems on the level who isn't, and too much to the point where we'll start looking for it, and it'll it'll wreck it for future installments, but... And there's a, a creepy guy at the gas station yep. that they meet early on. This guy's clearly, this actor's clearly doing his best impression of the hitchhiker from the original. He's even got the camera around his neck saying, here, it's a really good picture. It's $5. And to me, that's, that makes me think, okay, it's a remake on the idea. Right. Because it's, it's directly referencing, okay, that in this movie, the hitchhiker is played by this character. Right. And uh, the cannibalism is no secret in this movie. If you look behind the desk in the gas station, there's pictures of meat. Right. on the wall, and a drawing of a plate of bloody meat with a face on it. <laughs> if, you, if you look in the background, that's there. So there's there's no secret that, yeah, that's what's happening with this family. Well, um, who wants to pay for meat? Just, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Grandpa? Yeah, Grandpa comes back. back again. However, I don't think Grandpa's looking too good anymore. No. He's not... <laughs> He's not very full of life. And that idea is kind of creepy a bit because they're, we got to feed Grandpa. And Grandpa's a mummified corpse at this yeah. point. It's and a doll. Blood, yeah. And they're pouring blood in his mouth and spilling down his shirt. That I thought was a kind of a, a creepy, weird, neat idea. But We also get a matriarch figure for the first time. Uh, the Ooh, old yeah. lady in the wheelchair with the uh, microphone in her throat who, you know, is not a very positive parental figure. <laughs> No, and that sets up, I think, maybe the darkest moment in this whole franchise. The little girl. Yeah. Who is, can't is wait that an to offspring pull the trigger? Of... <laughs> she wants. Sorry? She can't wait to pull the lever and drop that hammer down on him. What What I'm getting at more is is the the mother figure in the wheelchair. She implies that sometimes Leatherface likes to have fun with them private parts. Yeah. When she said, hey, we should let Leatherface have some fun with her. And, and she's like, oh, he knows what to do with them private parts. Implying that that little girl might be a product of, of someone who's raped in the past. Yeah. And I thought, like, this is getting darker than, you know, for some reason it's okay for him to be killing and eating people. But now he's, you know, raping them as well. No, I would resist um, that temptation too. There's that chapter of the Friday the 13th franchise where they imply Jason raped a woman. And that always yeah, rubbed me the wrong three, way. Yeah. yeah. It's always rubbed me the wrong way. I kind of... For me, both Jason and Leatherface are somehow sexless creatures to me. I don't know why I feel that way, but I just... Yeah, I, I don't feel like that with Leatherface because he does 
cross-dressed. He does put on makeup. Right. He's confused in part two. He's attracted to this woman, and he's kind of humping the air a little bit. So there is a little bit of... He doesn't know what to do with You know, he's, he's mentally imbalanced. He doesn't know how to express himself. I could see him actually grabbing a woman and, and doing that to her. Right. This character, he's, he's brutal. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but just to have it actually addressed out there and the way she just nonchalantly says he has fun with them private parts... Yeah. She says something like he took care of mine years ago or something. It just got really weird, I found. This is an invalid, cancer-lated woman in a wheelchair, and she gets machine-gunned to death, and we are thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just happens so quick. You don't even get through this kind of thing. Oh, Oh, she's dead. Now she's dead. Oh, he's dead, too. Oh, his ear got blown off. (laughs) Grandpa I'm, gets shot as well, but it looks like a dust, dust comes is out. popping out of him. I think Grandpa's been gone for a while. They're having a trouble letting go of Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I, that that idea is almost creepier than the living fossilized Grandpa. Like that, it has just been a corpse, but they refuse to acknowledge it. Grandpa's still alive. Damn it! He needs a supper. <laughs> Yikes. And this is a different Leatherface than we've got in part two. I like the part look, two was, actually. Part two was dancing a lot, and he did that little weird shimmy and shake, and uh, yeah. he's giving shop top high fives. He's, and this one, he's he's mean again. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't take shit from his family like he did in part one and two. Uh, someone takes away his Walkman. And he And throws it in the out. oven. He says, you don't touch my fucking Walkman. He puts <laughs> the guy's hand in there. Yeah. And he, um, he stands up for him. It's a different Leatherface. He's aggressive and threatening. I liked the um, performance in this movie, and I liked how tattered and nasty the mask looked in this one. He gets yeah. he gets more focused scream time in this movie, which makes sense because it's called Leatherface. But um, I like the look of him in this movie. I, I like that Leatherface is kind of bulky. <laughs> uh, it's not that he's big, but you know he's got a bit of a gut on him. He's not the healthiest of fellows. He's just... This intimidating wall of, of monster that runs at you with a chainsaw. If he's coming, you're in a world of trouble. <laughs> but I go Except back when to... Except when he takes time out to do his homework with the speak and spell. Yeah. I'm not sure. How'd you feel about that when he's... Well, uh, there's, again, F- something oh, weirdly oh. sweet about it. Like that he's trying to learn his letters, but that he thinks, you know, <laughs> everything is food. <laughs> it's a picture of a clown. Yeah, he's like, food. Food. No! <laughs> It was getting a little silly. I almost feel like this one was they tried to do a combination of one and two yeah. with horror and a little bit of comedy, not as obvious, but there was some there. And I, I don't think it did either as successful. It just didn't know what it but, was in that way, right? And I think that all the studio meddling couldn't help. But like, are you going to be a visceral, tough, holy shit, leather faces back and leather faces scary? Or are you going to be this crazy pseudo comic, you know, blood spattered? if not satire, sort of fun movie experience. But in the end, it kind of ends up being neither of those. And there doesn't Mm. seem to be enough content for a full whole movie. Like I said, there's a large swath of the movie where I was bored, waiting for something to happen. It lights up here and there when stuff does happen, when when like Viggo Mortensen is literally lit up (laughs) at one point when it gets set on fire. Uh, There are moments of the movie that I like, but just moments. Yeah, that's that's fair. If I'm going to get picky... The house is too clean. Yeah. I found it. There's the, the little girl's bedroom when she walks into there. The bedroom is covered with bones and skulls and, and a mess. Um, you know, kids, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do? They can't clean the room. <laughs> but you go in the rest of the house, and on Texas Chainsaw Massacre standards, it's livable. Hmm. You could walk in there and say, oh, your house, you know, you could maybe tidy up a bit. But 
Well, it looks like yeah. in the neighborhood of what my my my. Yeah, other than you know the little hammer contraption on the wall, but uh, <laughs> yeah. other than that, teaching the little girls the way of murder too. There's ideas here. There's it's kind of an interesting watch for some of the people in it. You know, it's another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, but I just can't get excited about it. Is there anything else you want to say about Leatherface? I think we're lining up on that one. Each of us has known the fear of being alone, lost in the darkness, faced with the unknown. But there is one fear shrouded in our past, lost in our subconscious, that should never have been forgotten. A fear so deep, it cuts to the bone. The American legend returns to bring you back to the cutting edge of terror. Welcome to my... So, you want to know how bad Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation is? How bad? It's so bad that it actually sat on a shelf for almost two years. It was basically Mm -hmm. an abandoned film. But then two movies were released this summer. Jerry Maguire and A Time to Kill. Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey were both in huge hits respectively. And all of a sudden... They could put their faces on this and sell it to the home video market. I remember watching it with you at the right age to where we would like be susceptible to some pretty weak filmmaking. And even at that young age, <laughs> I knew it was terrible. So uh, does it live up to the reputation? Is it indeed like the bottom of the barrel TCM? Or does it somehow manage to be so bad it's good? Well, I think there is one way that you can get some enjoyment from it, if you listen carefully. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you do that enough times during the movie, maybe. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a good film. I mean, did, uh, did our stars kind of try and block the release of it for a while? Or? Word was that uh, at the time McConaughey was kind of pissed off about the re-release of it and did, talked about seeing what he could do to stop it. But in the end, I guess which, that which is, was nothing. <laughs> which is kind of funny to think of because he, he looks like he had a ball making it. Well, and when he talks about it now, I think he can joke about it. But right on the edge of his stardom when things were just starting to blow up for him, uh, you know, I can see him. He was a little bit maybe a little bit embarrassed about it, which I guess I can understand. <laughs> that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Do you think McConaughey is good in the movie <laughs> or is he just making the best of a bad situation? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I think he's necessarily good. He's charismatic and uh, he's very interesting to watch, especially knowing who he is to become afterwards as an actor. Yeah. Um, but he, he goes balls deep into this, uh, and just (laughs) the insanity that, uh, it's not really a Leatherface movie at all. It's, it's the Matthew McConaughey show really. Yeah. Well, and he sort of would be the figure that Viggo Mortensen played in the previous film where he's like 
he's part of the I guess they're the slaughter family in this version uh, he's part of the the family but he is able of maybe having a bit of a, a, a sane face but he sure doesn't use it a lot in this movie he's howling and slashing himself I also have to say it has four of the least appealing like lead protagonists the kids in the car oh, oh my god <laughs> I mean it's that could just be is it a combination of acting and writing there some of the, the dialogue that these kids have to say Ugh. hey i just thought of something cool says the lady while she's driving the car what if i got in a car crash and we all died they would write a song about it <laughs> shut up what? it's so foreboding and the yeah, bickering couple uh, like <laughs> The guy dies right from... away, but she's in the movie for a long time. I kept on forgetting she was in the movie, and then, oh, right, she's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was another funny exchange in the car. One of the girls catches her boyfriend kissing another girl, and his defense, I only kissed her once. What's wrong with that? Jeez, it's like I can't even say hi to my friends anymore. <laughs> you can't believe how possessive you are. And, yeah. and the other argument, guys need sex. They, if they get worked up and don't get it, they develop prostate cancer. That's right. Classic. Yeah, as said by the, the asshole of the group. Vintage yeah, asshole They're not a likable. Well, and not well, not, you're right, not well written particularly, but they're not making the best of a bad situation here. It's poorly executed and to the point where, like, we don't feel for these characters. The Slaughter family has considerably more personality than they do. <laughs> Um, I mean, is there, I don't know if we talk about plot. I mean, the plot is basically the same as all movies in this franchise, so there's not really much extra to say. I mean, this one does go way off the rails, but if I could go way back to the beginning, yeah. I, I kind of like starting with the, the voiceovers that these all start with. Sure. And pointing out some, some, some of the differences here. This one, Next Generation, again with the voiceover, it references the events of the original, but it contradicts the intro to part three by saying not one of the family members was ever apprehended. Right. And if you recall, part three said, uh, and it, it implies part two and three occurred, as it says, over the next several years, at least two minor yet apparently related incidents were reported, and then five long years of silence. So again, it's wondering, is this a sequel? Is this, uh, it, what exactly is this? Who are these people? Uh so it's sort of a reboot or it's uh, i guess a dismissal of the sequels up until this point which is pretty arrogant yeah. considering the level of production if, that we're treated to <laughs> because again now uh, leatherface does not have his knee brace that he had in part three no but, but strangely, uh, somebody else strangely mcconaughey does yes they do have a fascination with knee braces the most bizarre robotic remote controlled knee brace you'll ever see no matter how many movies you ever watch. What would possibly be the advantage to having a remote control for your knee brace? <laughs> he had like six or seven Is that like a controls. thing? Did they base it on real technology or was it just something created for this masterpiece? It, it also oh. adds to the shrillness and the, uh, like, they, they try to go for that sensory overload thing where Renee Zelliger is screaming in her nasal voice and McConaughey's cutting himself and screaming and his legs are, are kicking and squealing and it just, like, just makes you want to, like, throw something at your television. <laughs> stop. Stop. This is not scary. It's not close to scary. 
I kept on thinking it was funny how like they weren't doing a lot to stop them from escaping. Like there's three or four separate attempts that Renee Zellweger makes by just walking out the front door. And I felt like it yeah. was like her trying to escape the movie, but inevitably the movie always sucked her back in. <laughs> it's I mean it's so hard to really say anything positive, I guess, about this movie. It's if you're a fan of the franchise, I guess it's worth looking at once <laughs> just to see, you know, how much uh how zany <laughs> the leads can get. But um uh, it's a safety movie for me, uh, to for people who care about the Star Wars universe and get her all excited about the new Star Wars coming out. It's like, everyone just relax. We've already seen the worst Star Wars movies. There may be bad Star Wars movies in our future, but nothing will be worse than the <laughs> prequels, right? We're like, that's out of the way now. <laughs> so that's kind of the one safety that I will give this movie. It's sort of like, this is rock fucking bottom <laughs> like um i do think you're right that mcconaughey is trying but it, it wears me out just like the rest of the movie he wears me out before the end of its noticeably short run time <laughs> he is he is constantly hooting and hollering and carrying on and just going 110 percent. and and yeah that weird robotic remote controlled leg uh, and let's talk about the kills in the movie. What's your most I'm... memorable kill? <laughs> uh, when Matthew McConaughey gets uh, killed with the propeller of an airplane for some reason. Yeah, okay, well I definitely well, I wanted mean... to talk about that. <laughs> but like, there's very little, again, violence in that's, the movie that's what when, I mean. when all is said and done. Uh, it, like, most of it's off screen. He runs over a guy, he hits a guy, but we don't really see it. Like... Uh, it's surprising because like of all the things to miss like when you're delivering the goods of a texas chainsaw massacre movie that does seem like dirt basic you know to bring the bring the red and yes yeah this well, that's... fucking airplane that is never explained like it's like who did that why how did what and no, there's no answer. And this whole business with him being this paranoid dude about like the Illuminati is 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 directing him and all this that turns out to be One, the truth. Yeah, I mean, so we got to get into that. I guess that's the the elephant in the room and <laughs> dealing with how this all finishes, right? It's government conspiracies and Illuminati. Not sure how closely you looked at this film, but. <laughs> Uh, the tow truck that Matt McConaughey is driving, mm -hmm. it actually says Illuminati on the side of the truck. There you go. I it guess I missed that little that. detail. Thank you for that. I, 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 I didn't notice that until somebody else on the internet pointed that out and says, oh, he's in the Illuminati. You know this because his truck says it on the side. I'm like, look at that. I had to revisit the film. I said, it does, but... To what purpose does the world manipulating machinations of the Illuminati need the slaughter family, these, like, inbred hayseed fuckwits who, like, killing folk? Like, what is happening? Like, on a very basic screenplay level, what kind of movie are you trying to make? Who is this for? Like, what, what, what is it's... happening? <laughs> There's really no reason for it. To, I mean, they're looking for a, a new angle. To me, this is uh, this is like the Halloween Six of this franchise. Right. When they start trying to find a reason for Michael Myers, the cult of Thorn, and all that, um, 
They said, well, let's say they're controlled by the Illuminati and they're trying to show people what real horror is or whatever reasoning. It, it makes no sense and it's not scary. Yeah. To me, what's scary is this family that nobody knows about doing these horrendous crimes that nobody knows about you and you do not knock on that door you stay away and, and just it's a mystery the festering dangerous madness of the family like a dude who wears the face of his victim as a mask should be scary enough what the fuck is the illuminati doing here <laughs> what are we talking about <laughs> like good god <laughs> it's entertaining but it's it's not good. I wish and I it's could inter- you tell I mean, it's, you it was so and by bad saying it was it's good. A- like I would, like it sounds like it could be so bad it's good, but it's not. It's so bland. Well, what I mean by that is it's 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 not so bad it's good. It's it's so bad that it's bad, I guess. <laughs> and if you're curious to see how bad something can be, yeah. if for some reason you get kicks doing that, then uh, <laughs> oh no! If you're a connoisseur if- of bad, for sure, this is an infamously bad movie, and it does earn its reputation. Like. As not a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and spoilers for my list, Scott, we are talking about, as I mentioned earlier, the rock bottom <laughs> of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't love everything that happens after this, but it don't get worse than the next generation. <laughs> it would be awfully tough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't well, want to let, set anybody let, to a challenge here, but when when Leatherface is kind of the this, the face of your franchise and he's just sent to the background as a background character in this one whimpering yeah. no longer screeching and howling he's whimpering in this one he's a punk uh, she and, bosses him around when renee zellweger tells him you sit the fuck down <laughs> <Yeah>. and he <laughs> listens what? and she's and she says and he whines he whimpers and she says shut up <laughs> and he does no no. That's not my leather face. No, no, that's not the monster that gave me nightmares as a child. No. All you had to do this whole time is just tell him to shut up and you could have got out. <laughs> just hold on to know, your it's... happy thought, Renee. Jerry Maguire is just a few short years away. <laughs> I yeah, this don't cannibalistic know. this yeah. cannibalistic beast can be controlled just by telling him to sit, sit the, the fuck, fuck down, down leather face. Like what well, that's scary. And... Ooh. <laughs> And then, and then the way she gets away from the house is beyond silly because she grabs the remote control for the leg and she starts pressing all the buttons and his leg goes nuts so he can't chase her anymore. And, and that's how she gets away. Well, and then she leads him to the farm just in time for the random plane to kill him for no reason. Fuck this movie, Scott. Oh, <laughs> fuck, fuck this, this movie, movie so hard with, get, without a... Fucking hard left and right. This <laughs> raw dog. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Don't even spit on it first. Um, is there anything you would like to say? I think. I mean, we've been. I think pretty mean <laughs> to the movie, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, is there? I don't know what more I could say. Like. Uh, like I, I said, if you really genuinely makes... enjoy bad movies, check it out. But if you're thinking it's so bad, it's good, no. And only if you're it, the it... most complete, completest of Texas Chainsaw Massacre should you subject yourself to it. And, oh man, uh, there's the cannibals. They're cannibals, right? Yep. 
and uh, they have a girlfriend who uh, who incidentally does flash her yeah. breasts at one point. Which it's worth noting that this is the first time in this franchise, and I believe the only one where there, or no, I guess there is one later, but the first time that in this franchise that there has been any gratuitous nudity. So it's a classy franchise in that respect. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but, it is a very unsexy franchise. I mean, I think we can right. be grateful that we haven't seen any hillbilly sex until this point. And there's no sex in this point. She's just flashing the dudes randomly. It is the quintessential random hit shot. <laughs> But again, this is the woman who, this is one of the tip-offs that she's maybe a little off. She's one of the people in the community that's clearly part of the Slaughter Clan, but we don't know right away. Spoilers, kids. Sorry if I wrecked that terrible, terrible, hard-to-put-yourself-through movie. But, oops. What I was getting to with, uh, with the girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to point out that she goes to pick up veggie fucking pizza. For this family of cannibals yes. to bring back, I just think that's mentioning these terrible veggie pizzas. <laughs> that is bullshit that they'd be eating veggie pizzas. You kind of glitched out for a second there, but I think I got the point you were making and agree with it wholeheartedly. Is was it supposed to be funny or ironic? Was <laughs> like it was just that poorly thought out. <laughs> Did craft services just have leftover veggie period pizza? <laughs> Did that detail fucking matter? It's one yeah, of the... like, Why didn't these kids just go to the prom? Yeah, yeah. Because driving I mean, around it, randomly in the countryside would be much fun, well, a lot fun. Because they're great conversationalists, right? They well, there like are four. There so are four much. kids. Yep. They weren't even friends with each other. Nope. There, two of them were in there by accident, and they just keep driving around. Why did the limo at the end that saved our final girl? Why did they take her to the hospital? Why did the why limo did show she... up at that random place? Yeah, why did she recognize the woman on the stretcher at the hospital at the end, who was Marilyn, Marilyn Burns? Burns? Because she saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> Maybe. But according to the voiceover at the beginning of part two and three, she's dead already. Uh, the other question, was there any point to having Renee Zellweger's father molesting her at the beginning? There was that kind of eerie... Just a nice layer to add to the movie. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I just really... I really hated this movie. <laughs> And when I first seen it, this was one of the my least favorite movies of all time. When I it just angered me because I wanted at that point it's been a few years I wanted to skip, and this is what I got. Yeah, yeah, we wanted more, and we got shite. Um, maybe that's why the remake so overperformed for me because it had been a good long while before we'd had a proper Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now I'm gonna try and make sense of this okay the only way that this makes any sense the illuminati Mm cover-up is if it's possibly and now i'm stretching here i'm trying to help them okay (laughs) is it possibly trying to tie it together with the intro voiceover to part two because if you recall that one it says they never found the the farmhouse and this family was never found on the, on the record, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre never occurred. And I always wondered, wow, they never found this place. I, it was a, it's a cover-up, dude. Yeah, and I thought, oh, maybe that's what they're trying to say, that it's been a cover-up, maybe, well, possibly. A, Does that help it make sense? It's, it's a, a good stretch. Thing that it's never referenced <laughs> ever again in the series, ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh uh-huh.
Tell me how much you love me. How much? That much. That much? That much. I guess. Excuse me. What the hell was that? What? I just saw something. Alright, that's it. If somebody's out there, just come on out! What is that? The hitchhiker. What were they all doing here? What the hell are you doing in my house? You're gonna die. So, uh, Marcus Nispel directed this remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It ranked quite high in my remakes episode that I did with Mr. Mitch Oliver. I had a lot of good things to say about it, and my opinion on it hasn't changed. Even though I was getting worn out of Texas Chainsaw, watching so much, all, all so close together, um, this, as gritty and gross and heavy as it was, felt like a breath of fresh air coming out of, like I said, the the bottom scraping of the the next generation it is right. a terrifying visceral horror movie and it gives remakes a good name as far as i'm concerned i know that the hardcore texas chainsaw massacre fan base is split on it but i do really like the movie and part of it is the experience i had seeing it with you on an imax screen for the very first time what, oh yes that was a special day wasn't it just <laughs> <laughs> was that the same day we uh, buried your grandmother, or was that I the was, next day? I believe it was the day after my grandmother was put in the ground. Oh, man. It seemed You're vaguely welcome. disrespectful. And hey, Larry, was... let, let's help you get your mind off things. No. Let's go see the Texas Chainsaw in IMAX. Your heart You're was welcome. so in the right place. But it's also <laughs> not a movie that was made for IMAX. It's just not a good like transfer thing. Like. I remember feeling wobbly when I came out of it. Part of it was my emotional state, but I will say part of it was the movie itself. It's pretty traumatizing. It's 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 ugly in a way that you're not used to seeing in a mainstream Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. And you're right. After the debacle of Next Generation, no. this was so good. Uh, the way that Next Generation left off, I'm not sure if they thought, all right, we're going to change this franchise in this new direction. Next director, have fun. Take yeah. a go at it. And uh, much like you know, the Halloween series went after the, the Curse of Thor, and it's, uh, where, what can you do? How can I make a sequel to Next Generation? Yeah. I guess the only thing I can do now is start over. And they did the right thing. Rather than keep it going in that weird direction, just start it over. And I think of all the sequels, this one probably seems closest to capturing the spirit of the original. Yeah. Which is counterintuitively because, like, their approach is completely different. They didn't, you know, use real dead animals and they weren't on this real grungy farmhouse. This was all meticulously designed to death, some might argue. 
but the yeah, and and yeah, and it's polished and it looks good. Yeah, I mean, there's money behind it, and it made it made its money. Oh no, it did well. It did very well. Um, uh, but it's also a really well acted and really scary movie. Um, I understand the complaint that like that it, it's almost too perfect in its horror movie aesthetic, as far as every room has been perfectly designed like almost a haunted house. I get mm -hmm. that complaint. But I think that it's outweighed by just the ferocity and the just how gnarly the movie is. <laughs> like, it's fucking brutal. And I guess right. I'm going to say in a good way, because uh, although I was mixed at first, I, I have grown to really appreciate this movie quite a bit. Where does Scott Lehman land on the remake? Uh, I'm very positive about it. Um. It's it's it, you've said it all. It's a ferocious, scary film, with Leatherface's first kill in this one, with the sledgehammer and the return of the metal sliding door. You get that notion. You say, okay, this is going to be scary again, because of what we had to see last time. This Leatherface is brutal again. He's a hulking beast. If you told this dude to sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Renee. That's, you know, immediately when it love. starts, it starts off with a voiceover from John Larroquette, they which already if Mr. you're a fan, yeah. you're already in the theater nodding, saying, okay, we're off to a good start. Okay, this is, we can relax. They pick up a hitchhiker, It's you know, but it's not the hitchhiker we're used to. No. They go a different route with it. Uh, just more of a reimagining of everything. And, well, uh, and that was really like good precision screenwriting and choices. You're not going to top that hitchhiker. So don't really try to top that hitchhiker. You're not going to top the dinner table scene. So don't try to top the dinner table scene. It, it's sort of like a similar approach to the Evil Dead remake that you and I gushed so much over, sort of took, in that what if Toby Hooper had all the toys and all the budget and all the bells and whistles that he could to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What would it have looked like then? And uh, that approach pays off. Basically, we have a bunch of kids on their way back from Mexico. They've smuggled some drugs across the border. They uh, enter Texas country. But when they pick up this crazed uh, suicidal, as it turns out, hitchhiker, they, you know, turn to the wrong person for help. Mr. Arlie Ermey shows up and just fucks their lives. <laughs> like... I, I got I got to give a lot of points to the Leatherface in this movie. He is really scary. But the real menace and the real thing about the movie that gets my blood up is Arlie Ermey. The thing that brings me back for the prequel that they made is Arlie Ermey. Yeah. Arlie Ermey is ferocious and evil. And he, in a way, is doing his drill sergeant sort of thing, just like a, a slight variation of it. But... You yeah. don't feel like the actor feels like he's slumming it. He's giving a legit, ferocious, awful, hateable performance. It's one of the great horror movie payoffs, as far as I'm concerned, when he gets hit by that fucking car. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> yes. He, he is so he is so good in this. Oh, my God. Like Some, some of the shit that he says, it's kind of funny because he's dressed as, as a cop and everyone's kind of relaxed a bit. Great, the police are here. But he is so not by the book. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he's wrapping saran wrap around that dead girl's head and, and telling these guys, but he's threatening as well. And he's intense. Oh. So it's, it's, it's just 
weird combination. Um, I, I love what he did. And you're right. He's kind of played similar roles like this. Yeah. No, but, that's uh, true. But, I mean, there's a reason that he gets cast in those roles. And he's usually doing it in a more focused way. Like, he's trying to shape killers in Full Metal Jacket. Or he's the ghost of a drill sergeant in The Frighteners. Or, or fill in his use here. Uh, an asshole boss yeah. in the Willard remake. In this movie, he is absolutely bonkers. And it also sort of plays on them wearing the mask of the people that they would propose to hate. Like, he fucking hates cops. Cops are pigs. But he's not above wearing the pig costume to lure people in for his torture and mm -hmm. his murder, right? The way he just yeah. loves laying a beating on those kids. Making Jonathan Tucker sit in the mess left by that suicide and reenact re it. Oh, did just, they put that gun in your mouth? Oh, it, one of the most tense moments in in the franchise, possibly, and it has nothing to do with Leatherface or chainsaws. Yeah, it, it and, gives you a similar tactile reaction that the original did, but it goes about it in a different way. Instead of like literally putting the actors through it and and making it in that grimy environment, they did it in a really artificial aesthetic. But because it's so professionally executed. You, you you believe it when she hides inside that side of uh, that slaughtered cow, cow you know <laughs> like that's clearly yeah. you know a nasty special effect but you believe it and the movie for a remake has built in surprises I, I'm reminded of another good remake the night of the living dead it's aware that the audience for this movie will have seen the original so it tries to surprise you one of the biggest ones being to me is Leatherface loses a fucking arm in this movie. <laughs> he does. Uh, and, like, and, that, and, and that's going to affect your sequel. Right? Like, they're going to have to it's figure like, oh, that out. Shit. How's he going to start his chainsaw? We now? can't do a sequel now. Now what are we going to do? Do a prequel, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he'll, he'll be like the homicidal Ash with the, the, the chainsaw built into his arm somehow. <laughs> um, and actually, I think we talked about that. I mean, Arlie, or Marie is, is fantastic and uh, you know what he does. I mentioned the part where he's. I love that when he's wrapping up the dead girl's face with saran wrap. Is he help me get her in the car? And he he says that line how he likes to cop a feel every now and then. Ugh. And he says, "Oh, she's a little wet down here. What have you boys been doing with her?" And, and they're like, "Something doesn't seem right with this cop." No, that's not a very cop thing but, to say. But we've got a fairly uniformly good cast Absolutely. in this as well. Um, I mean, I think Jessica Biel is does what you want a, a final girl to do in this kind of movie. Uh, and her co-star, that um, her tied-up white tank top. Uh, Erica Learson is the name of the actress. I think the character's name is Pepper. No, no, I was referring to her uh, tank top. Oh, you're talking tank top, sorry. Yeah, her white sorry. tank top, which I think I, I it deserves... I being funny, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think her tank top deserves co-starring billing because... Um, it was very noticeable in a lot of scenes, and then she walked. Oh, and then it gets wet, of oh. course. I'm not going to lie. Jessica Biel is absolutely beautiful. But she's also a really good actress. I believe that she's terrified and traumatized by what she goes yeah. through. The only thing with Jonathan Tucker, who does everything right, only to get like cut in half from the crotch up. <laughs> fucking chainsaw. That is brutal. Ugh. Uh, and I've always thought it was particularly brutal the the that Eric Balfour character Kemper, uh, you know he he he's on a path to redemption and he didn't just want to get drugs and he did love her and he wanted to marry her and she doesn't get to know any of it. <laughs> no, but she does get to see Leatherface wearing her boyfriend's face. Yeah, 
when he turns and looks at her and she's like that moment when they have eye contact it's like what the hell it added an extra layer of pathos to an already obviously incredibly grim movie but like it made it more tragic somehow that like he was a good guy though and he did love you and he was trying to do the right thing damn it (laughs) and compared to again i keep going picking on the the next generation but when those kids were dying in the next generation, you're just like, thank God, that's one death closer yeah. to the end credits, right? Can you die faster? <laughs> and you talked about the camera shot of uh, the un- looking up with girls in shorts. Yeah. There are some of those uh, tribute shots in this one. Uh, same thing, a shot of the van on the open road. There was a lot of kind of nods and, and callbacks to the original. I think that fans would notice and appreciate, and if you don't notice it, no big deal, but they're there for you if, if you do care. And I do notice, I mean, rewatching it again, the movie is violent and there is blood. Oh, hell yeah. But uh, on, this, on this viewing, I noticed there's, uh, there's not a lot of on-screen violence. Like, they actually do cut away a little bit in uh, sort of like the original where there, a lot of it is implied. Even when he's getting sawed from the crotch up, yeah. they, they didn't really linger on that you don't see as much as you think you see well i think that's another thing it has in common with the original and that it's it, I mean, exactly. it's much more violent than the original is i wouldn't say otherwise but it's not relying on the violence it's the intensity it's the intensity but it's not as shrill as the original it's just more terrifying and jittery and like how is she going to get out of this situation and what horrible thing is going to inevitably happen next I think, like, Marcus Nispel is a very competent director. Unfortunately, it seems like his budgets have gone down. He's got, like, a little bit of a Rennie Harlan career trajectory going. He made a few hits early, but has had a hard time since. But, like, that that suicide of the hitchhiker is traumatizing. <laughs> like, Oh, it was so unexpected, too. And, like, she... the, the camera... Like, I mean, I know it didn't actually, but as far as our perspective is concerned... <laughs> passes through that woman's head and out the back window with her fucking brains like it's an amazingly conceived and executed and as i said traumatizing shot like it it, it, it's not the hitchhiker it's a different but it accomplishes the same thing that the hitchhiker did and dare i say almost better just because of like the holy shit factor of it she didn't cut her hand she blew her fucking head off Yikes. Yeah, it's a different kind of remake. It was definitely not shot for shot. There's no, no hitchhiker chop top type character. No. And there's no no long dinner scene. No. Nope. We get a, a long chase at the end instead. But it's got the right feel. And I think by not doing shot for shot, but keeping the same tone, it keeps the viewers, they don't know exactly what's going to happen. Right. So it's, it's fun. It's uh, a good... Entertaining horror movie. Fun is the, is a strange way to, to frame it, but I, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll back you up. I'll back you up. It does what you want a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie to do, and uh, like, I mean, in remakes are so maligned, and especially this Platinum Dune sort of Michael Bay produced ones. Well, we we ourselves took a nice hot wet shit on the Hitcher remake, right? And we were pretty lukewarm on the Amityville, like. Uh, Largely, remakes do feel like unnecessary or, or just lame or, or like why bother territory. 
And I think one of the great compliments I can pay it is that it just justifies its existence. And by justifying its existence, it, it, it works good defense for remakes as a concept. Yeah, it really did seem to get that remake ball rolling when we saw remakes can be good. But unfortunately, it seems like for every Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we get another fog or nightmare in Elm Street. Uh. <laughs> but um, I, I like again for this type of movie, like your average Joe cinema viewer, maybe not. But if you are a fan of hard, bleak, grim, violent cinema, like those Texas Chainsaw Massacre people should be, then yes, absolutely enthusiastic recommendation. Um, if you're just dipping your toes into the horror genre, this is not where we start. There aren't people out there that will not watch a movie from 1974. They just won't do it. Right. It's true. And They'll say, no, I'm that old. I'm not going to watch it. And that's fine. If that, You're missing out on movies if yeah. that's what you want to do. But maybe watch this one then. Or even if it's a gateway drug that gets you back into yeah. it, right? And they say, now maybe I'll check out the original. I mean, I, I, who knows how long this will go on. I, I'm sure it will outlive us, I'm afraid, Scott. Like, the, <laughs> you know, a hundred years from now, people will be, like, podcasting directly beamed into people's subconscious somehow. <laughs> that will be able to see, basically, the growth of cinema from, you know, its genesis to basically... The 70s is when, I think cinema officially sort of matured and grown up at least for as far as american cinema goes but through these weird franchises you can actually see the evolution of films it's sort of the fun thing mm -hmm. about doing these uh retrospective ones you can just feel the years go by the technology the styles the actors yeah it's, it's very noticeable especially since we're getting usually five years in between films here so there's significant of time yeah significant. Um, yeah, I don't know what more I can say. I've talked about this one before. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the remake, really? Uh, recommended. Recommended. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Date night. <laughs> not my date. My, my wife would not be down with this one, unfortunately. <laughs> but, oh well. What is that? What is that? Come on, boy. So it's, it's been a, a rocky road for this director, Jonathan Liebsman. He made a successful but not very good horror movie, in my opinion, called Darkness Falls. And then he made a good but not completely successful movie called Battle Los Angeles, with Aaron Eckhart shooting a bunch of aliens in the, in the ruins of L.A. Okay. And then he made the TJ... Well, after this movie, he made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reimagination. So... <laughs> Of course you didn't. <laughs> but you, I got the feeling when I like I talk about it in my review of Darkness Falls that like he wanted to make that movie darker and harder than they were letting him. 
And I've always put this on him as a director and on this film that like this was him like dealing with that. They wouldn't let him get away with shit in that last movie. So now I'm doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I'm going to make this shit ugly. <laughs> yeah, I talked about the uh, remake, how they, they showed some restraint in yeah. you know, getting chainsawed from the crotch up. You don't actually see a lot of the gore, but you feel it. Mm. They, they did not show the, res- the restraint in this one. No, they went the other way here. I mean, it um, still has some atmosphere and it still has sort of similarly at least characters you can cheer for. You, I mean, not all of them are likable, but most of them you can you, you can be sympathetic to where their situation is. And, and like we touched on, the 2003 reboot was undeniably a success. Oh, absolutely. Correct? For sure. It made money. People wanted more. They, and we talk about, can we do a sequel? Well, we have a problem. Our main killer is missing an arm. How's he going to start the Our surfing stealer. Harley Emery got killed. Yeah. yeah. So what do we do now? We got to do prequel. This way, Leatherface has two arms again, and we get to have our, our sheriff back, causing great tension with the kids again. Yeah. But what the problem is, I think, is that because it's a prequel and because it is so devoted and, and cares about the continuity in a way that the rest of the Chainsaw franchise just doesn't, uh, the movie becomes inevitable. But watching all of these in a row, I did find it's strange when it came time to watch this one. I wasn't really looking forward as much to it. Mm-hmm. But as I put it on, it was kind of refreshing in a way to finally have two movies in a row that seemed like they belonged in the same universe. Uh, it had the same feel. Continuity. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is nice. It makes sense. It follows. Okay. I yeah. could just relax a bit but because it makes sense and because it follows and as interesting as it is to go back to see him get the sheriff's uniform and sort of the semi quasi origin of Leatherface because we know that all of these characters live to kill another day we must by you know process of elimination I'm not exactly Sherlock Holmes but I mean none of these kids are going to make it out of this Right. Like, we open on a cast of victims, and, like, if we're halfway paying attention, we have to know it. She can't get out, no one can get out, no one can get the police. Like, what What do we have here? And as good as it is, and as great as it is to see, you know, Arlie Ermey doing his stuff again, that beatdown he, he gives those two guys is just relentless. And again, it's it's not quite to the level of frustration that the Jonathan Tucker and the car sequence was, but it's knocking on the same door. That psychological torment for me is almost worse than the violence that we're subjected to. But yeah, they have to compensate by making it a much uglier picture. And by making it much uglier, it's, I think, less enjoyable than the flat remake was. But I wouldn't say it was bad. I mean, for a prequel to a remake and like the what are we on the sixth entry of the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre franchise? It is far better than it has any business being. And it, it doesn't suck. It's just, I guess it's, it, it feels like another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. It, it does. Um, it's a check. I enjoy it. Right. I did enjoy it more than I thought I remembered enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll, I'll say that much. Um, I mean, you're right, but it's a prequel, so we know certain things, and we know certain things are going to happen, and we're going to find out how he got the police uniform and the car and everything, and and you don't have that mystery. When we first saw him as the sheriff in the 2003 version, we weren't sure who he was, really, or, or what's going on, what's wrong with the law enforcement in this town. This right. is strange. 
What's in the water in this neighborhood? Right now, these kids. Oh, you're cutting out yeah. for a second so, there. Sorry, could you repeat that, brother? You were cutting out just for a second there. Just how, with the sheriff's introduction in the original, mm -hmm. it's odd because you're not sure, is he the sheriff? What's going on with mm -hmm. the law enforcement in this town? But in this one, you know these kids are fucked from yeah. the first moment they meet him. Uh, and it's interesting, they're in a car so accident that he kind of causes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got. I do like. I do like the gore level in this one and the violence. Right. I think it it hits. It hits well. Uh, when Leatherface discovers the power of his chainsaw and makes his first skin mask, that is like a glorious moment for uh, for someone that likes visceral horror. <laughs> I, I liked it. He they kill that biker. His first chainsaw kill and Harley Emery is like, fuck yeah! And <laughs> Leatherface is like rambling his chainsaw in the air. He's like, I just did that shit! I, I found my life's purpose. I found my reason. <laughs> yeah, he goes downstairs, messes that guy up big time. He's, you know what else I'm going to do? I want your face. And it kills his face off. It's it's gory as hell. And it's, uh, it, it, it yeah. <laughs> Lee Turks and of course, his character biker that actor lee turkson he shows up in a lot of places he's one of the first people killed in that charlie's theron movie monster and he was in oz he's he's a good actor and i like it when they put good actors in these movies because like a lot of the times you you know you get the idea that certain actors will think this is beneath them this guy looked yeah. like he was i'm gonna be the guy the first guy that Leatherface ever, ever kills sign me <laughs> up oh yeah yeah, he's pretty excited from one of the behind-the-scenes thing. He seems to think it's pretty cool to say, I'm the first guy he killed with yeah. a chainsaw. That's pretty awesome. Um, I agree. And, and, of course, there's the guy in, that has no legs. In this one, he has legs. So he's like, eventually we're going to find, find out. out why he lost his legs. And it's not. It's one of those things I think you've said in the past, we don't need to know, but it sure was fun finding out. <laughs> The, the, the why um, he lost his legs or how Arlie Ermey got the farce, uh, false teeth, or the teeth. plate in his mouth, whatever it was. Like, yeah, we get the origins to all of that. And, like, it's certainly respectful he... to what came before. I mean, there's just, there's nowhere for the movie to go, right? Like, there's no way that this movie can surprise us, sort of just by the nature of what it is. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the... That's a prequel problem, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing to overcome, and it's really well made. I, I wouldn't give up on Leafsman as a director. He's certainly got a spotty background, but like I, I think he makes good-looking movies. He just needs to find that right script and that right cast in the right place. Um, this is a very solid entry. Like, I, like It's going to rank harder than the way I'm talking... It's going to rank higher than the way I'm talking about it sounds i think like it's fine i love arlie ermy but to the point where he was the reason for me to watch this movie at this point i'm way more into him as a villain in this series than i am leatherface and maybe that's a mistake mm. maybe that's like them overplaying their hand with that actor but i just love that dude i mean i hate him in these <laughs> movies but I, I love that actor like he's really bringing it for me <laughs> Like, I, I yeah, think if he wasn't in the movie, like, agreed, the movie is significantly less good. <laughs> he's, I mean, compare what he does to the job in Next Generation of the same type character. Right. The one that's intense and going all out with the crazy. This is frightening and it's intense and it's, 
well acted. Yeah. The other one is just like, holy shit, what is happening? Oh, and like uh, just the trouble you know that they're in when he finds the uh, paperwork that he's being sent to Vietnam, and he just assumes that they're 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 skipping out on it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, like you that. know they're in serious fucking trouble as soon as he sees that shit. <laughs> and one thing they didn't uh, they didn't add a grandpa character, which was I'm sorry to harp on grandpa all the time, but I'm, I'm no, curious. I'm, I am with you. I'm fascinated by that character. <laughs> Bring me more. It's grandpa. a prequel. This is the prequel. We could have met Grandpa when he was like 25 or something. That's the story I want next. I want the Grandpa. I would release the next horror movie. It's called The Texas Chainsaw Grandpa. Yeah. Texas TCM Grandpa. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> um, there was not... Uh, how about the murder of our final girl, as you said? Yeah. Nobody can live through this movie. Uh, realism right out the window. No. How, do you, how, how does a guy first... that big hide in the back of her car... How does he start the chainsaw without her hearing it? Like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That chains, that chainsaw was as big as he was. Yeah, but it's still ridiculous the conceit that that gigantic dude is hiding in the back seat and is able to stab her through, like, as a sudden surprise shock moment. Like, no. no. Yeah, the the physics don't quite work, but. Uh... I think, uh, like, I, I would have maybe made it like she got away, but in her panic she got in a car wreck or something like that. They're, like, that was just so over the top. And, you or know, the Illuminati chased her down. No, the Illuminati flew a plane <laughs> down and caught her with the propeller. Or, but, <laughs> but why are the... Is that how the Illuminati ice their, their villains? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully we'll never have to find that out. <laughs> um, no, I mean, as a... As an entry into the franchise, it's fine. It's fine. I'm being hard on it. You're right about <laughs> the gore. Like, <laughs> rock salt and severed limbs and, like, <laughs> just oh. <laughs> hiding under a table while the person above oh. you is being eviscerated. Like, oh. it, the dinner oh. table scene where that there's that awful throat cut, like... Uh. <laughs> And those are the sounds that the movie wants you to make, and you make those Ooh. sounds while you're watching the movie. Oh, God. Ah, Ooh, yeah. No. It's nasty. <laughs> it hurts. I love, I love it. <laughs> it does the job. Look, it does the job. It does the job. It is what it is. Is there anything else you want to say about the beginning? Put that on the box. It is what it is. Yeah. That's the movie. <laughs> it is what it is. Argue back, kid. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
here we go. I, I never got to see Texas Chainsaw 3D in 3D, so I'm just calling it Texas Chainsaw, because unless I saw it in 3D, it doesn't count. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Texas Chainsaw 3D to, in 2D. <laughs> um, well, look, they, we're trying something here. We are now abandoning the continuity of the remake and the pre-make. And we this, just had continuity for two in a row, and now yeah, we're just going to throw it all to hell? It's all gone. This purports to be a direct sequel to the original. Everything else is once again abandoned. But it's at least attempting to be respectful in that it's recreating, you know, the original as authentically as they can, bringing back some of the original cast members even to play different roles, some, some different, some the same. Uh, and for the opening sort of coda of the movie where we sort of see this lynch mob taking out the the Sawyer clan and how this little baby gets, quote, rescued, if that's the right word for it, taken from the arms of her dying, dying mom and then bludgeoning her mom to death after the fact. Uh, it starts, I think, in a pretty good place with its feet strong, but... I think the deeper we get into the movie, the more problems that I start to have. I think I already mentioned that I'm not super down with the sympathetic take on Leatherface. I think that just serves to make him less scary. Yeah. And once we abandon the sort of prologue, the first thing that happens is that we're introduced into four unlikable kids one of whom has just inherited this mansion from her grandmother she didn't know exist. And it's a good thing, because she's so poor she can only afford to wear half a shirt for this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> but this careful continuity... Yeah, that shirt that they, was very noticeable, right? Yeah, the, the half shirt was distracting. But they spent this real, like... It, time really being careful about the continuity and respectful about the first movie and then this girl who should be by all rights 40 years old is like 20 <laughs> and uh mm -hmm. we, this origin there's a there's a headstone oh did they so, show yeah you're it? right there's a headstone that they show with the date of 2012 on it so there's no denying what year it is you're right it's it's 40 years later right so and she's, she's she's not 40. She looks fantastic if she is 40. <laughs> but like <laughs> flag that, flag the dumb characters, flag like the the sort of obvious setup. And it's just like all of the goodwill that sort of is built up in the first part of the movie slowly gets chipped away. In the end, does it have some sequences that work and that I do like? Yes, it does. But could I honestly say that it was of use to anybody but a hardcore or chainsaw fan? I, I don't know that I could. Um, I'm not as hard on the movie as some people are. I know that this is a movie that's very divisive in, in the fandom. I think that it has enough good moments in it that I it, it held my attention. Considering I was this deep in my chainsaw marathon, Like uh, I could have been pretty road weary. Um, it works enough, but it was close to being something really good. And that's one of those things that makes it almost more frustrating when you can see that they were almost onto something great and they ended up with something uh, that's fine. <laughs> all right. Review done. Yeah. All What's right. next? We're done. That's um, all we that was easy. Did you have anything you wanted to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cutting out. Kind of fun. Um, yeah, you're right. They they did what Halloween 2018 kind of did, right? Just say nothing. None of this happened. Right. Let's go back to the original. This is a sequel. Forget everything else. And the first three minutes of this film are great, and that's just because 
it's a summary of part one. Yeah. And, um, but at that point, this was actually, um, you know, at the, the first time seeing this, my curiosity was piqued. I thought, okay, maybe what did happen after Sally got rescued? What did happen next? They come back to the farmhouse. That big truck is still there. This is directly after what happened. But what happens next is kind of weird because now the house is full of, of hillbillies that we've never seen before. Yeah. There's a mother in there as well with the baby that you mentioned. And uh, I don't know who the hell these people are. They were never mentioned before. Uh, I mean, because this occurs right after. Yeah. Grandpa's still there. He's still holding the mallet yeah. in his hand. <laughs> like That's showing how direct sequel this is like the, there's a um, bunch of sawyers hiding people under the stairs side style uh, you know waiting maybe they everybody just got to take turns who got to be the psycho killer on a given day and everyone else has to hide in the shadows or some shit i don't know that's not explained i just liked how authentic they were to the original at least out of the gate yeah they recreated the farmhouse and and the look looked all right it worked for me and i've said it over and over the, in the original it's this crazy family cannibals that nobody knows about yeah but in this one the town knows about them the police come to the house and immediately all the locals show up they've, they've had enough of this family that was that, the last enough's enough. straw yeah and they're saying come on give us jed give us junior whatever they're calling him in this one um so they're well known in the community as a problem family and that sort of takes the allure away this is the one episode of the franchise where it's not about the family right. because this is Leatherface now. He doesn't have his supporting family to help him out. Well, also points against the, the Sawyer clan other than being deranged, you know, cannibalistic killers. They were willing to sell out their family member. They don't even have that fierce loyalty that you would maybe expect from these folk, right? But he's Ken. You can't give up Ken. But, but no, he's simple. No, no. <laughs> let him go. He's just simple, right? Um, yeah. And during that scene, they also did have some cameos, too, as, you know, throwbacks, if you care about that stuff. You do have Gunnar Hansen in a different role. Yeah. Um, Marilyn Burns was in there. The same guy was actually in the grandpa makeup yeah. as well. Old enough they to didn't actually play it authentically. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't need to get that guy, but they, they got him. Um, and there was another one. Uh, well, of course, um, Bill Mosley shows up right. playing the role of, of the cook. And I, he pulls that impression off quite well, so it's, it was kind of nice to these faces again um, but then you're right we go 40 years later and it's all of a sudden it's different yeah uh, how do you say it? Alexandra Daddario yeah she's beautiful we know, she's attractive uh, we, we'll give her that <laughs> yeah and we know she's a Sawyer right away because as soon as we're introduced to her what she, she's a butcher yeah and she's cutting meat she goes home and she has this weird obsession with making art with animal bones. It's right. like, okay, yeah, we get it. She's a Sawyer. Uh, she doesn't know it, but... Um, and I hope that the director and the screenwriter wouldn't be like, oh, we're being super subtle and clever about this, because they were not being super subtle and clever about this. You, you know where my mind was going the first time I saw this? Before we saw Leatherface, they kept panning over the mansion, mm -hmm. and there's this graveyard in the backyard or front yard. And they kept kind of showing camera would zoom over the tombstones. And I thought, maybe, maybe they're going to go Friday the 13th Part 6 and have Leatherface has been buried here. And now we're going to have zombie Leatherface. I don't know. Maybe that would have been more believable than the route they went. Right. Because this really 
this really goes down the wrong path. The further into the movie we go, you're right. There's some good kills. There's a guy who gets sawed in half. That's yeah. a great gory kill. Brutal. <laughs> the first kill with the mallet was the um, the, the sequence. Leatherface is chasing the van, and the van breaks down. That was a legit suspenseful sequence. moment with some tension. And the 3D was definitely yeah. being used there, but they they it, it, they didn't over rely on it to the way it hurt to watch when you're doing t in 2D. Sometimes with these 3D mov movies, those really focused 3D moments sort of come off obnoxious, and I didn't notice mm -hmm. a ton of that in this. I just didn't like her friends. I didn't like the guy that they picked up, who's the first one in the house who ended up robbing the place because they left him there by himself for no good goddamn reason. Like, did they, they want were... him to rob the place? They were all terrible people, except I think one of her friends was the nicest. The nicest character got killed the worst yeah yeah I, I believe he's the one that got sawed in half and uh but you're right yeah they were not maybe they made them terrible shithead kids on purpose to make us side more with leatherface by saying oh come on man well and again we're starting to increasingly be asked to sympathize with the sawyer family and and to be vilified by the evil mayor and the bureaucrats in the town right um couple things I will say I do like. I really like the scene where they send that cop into the house alone and he's filming it all on his body cam or whatever, oh, yeah. or his phone or whatever it is. And it's just this long, drawn-out suspense sequence where he's following this blood trail. And, uh, yeah, the character, uh, Nikki, is in the freezer and she jump scares him and pays for oh. it with her life. <laughs> and uh, it, it's both sort of yeah. a wink to the original and kind of a clever sort of anti-climax to the sequence. Uh, I like that bit quite a bit. And there's a couple of it's... brutal, I think there might be CGI assisted, but there's a couple of leg cuts that happen towards the end of the movie with the chainsaw that just made me wince. Just, oh, ouch. With with a couple good kills that you've mentioned, it really gets hard into the CGI at the end mm -hmm. with the, the grinder. Yeah, that's really yeah. Really bad CGI. And... Man, I don't know why they use just. I, I don't want my horror movie to look like a cartoon. Especially it's just so in this, use the prosthetic effects in these movies. Like, the people do come to see the teeth and tissue. We want to see the gore. And I don't. I, I've yet to meet the gore hound who's like, yeah, give me the CGI. I'll take the CGI every time, oh. you know? Like, no. Pick your shots and use. Use prosthetic. If it's not working 100%, augment it with CGI. But this fix-it-in-post attitude is killing horror movies. There's a line in this movie, mm -hmm. four words, and I was wondering who's going to be the first one to mention it. Are you talking about... You know the line, right? Welcome to Texas, motherfucker? Or are you talking about... <laughs> is that the one? Do your thing, cuz. Do your thing, cuz. Do your that thing, cuz. Sorry, I fucked it up. <laughs> Both For, of them terrible. I though. mean, I was watching. I mean, that to me, that's it, that was my fuck you movie point. I, feel I was you. watching the movie. I was being I was being entertained enough. Like, like you said, I was watching it. It was something on TV that had my attention. I'm watching it. Yeah, it's okay. I could almost get behind it. As shitty as some of the decisions were made, I was still sort of, you know, watching and, and trying to like it. 
But that was the deal breaker line for me. Yeah. I mean, can a whole movie, which I feel was making an effort to enjoy, be undone by four words? When she says, do your thing, cuz, I said, fuck you, movie. And then the cop just says, clean this shit up. And then he leaves. No. Heather walks Leatherface home. No. They sit in the kitchen. They talk about what they learned today. <laughs> and they, she basically tucks them in. It, 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 this is not... Ah, fuck, I don't know, man. I am not scared. (laughs) I'm not scared of Leatherface at that point. And let's not forget... They did some... Sorry? They they did something different with it, I guess. But by making not a story about the whole family and just having him the villain, but you're right. I can't sympathize with him. No. And they're trying to make the mayor and the cops into the villains. It just... It doesn't work. At all. Like, on its basic premise level, it doesn't. And then they have the ridiculous carnival sequence. Yeah. Which well, uh, I mean, that, yeah, that was earlier. But. That reminds me of like Child's Play three, where like the whole thing set at a military academy, but they run out of things to do there, so the climax takes place at a at a carnival for some reason because carnivals are scary. <laughs> but like nobody <laughs> wanted to see Leatherface chasing a girl on a Ferris wheel. Like this was like yeah, that... an, not intuitively a good move. Um. Scott Eastwood plays the Clint Eastwood's son plays this guy who we think is a maybe a good guy and the I guess as close to a surprise as the movie presents us turns out to be one of the evil corrupt bureaucrats. But again, if it comes to being cheering for him or Leatherface, <laughs> no. I mean, everybody's a shitbag, really. <clears throat> the journey talk- of the movie should have been Heather, the Alexander Daddario's character sort of living up to the legacy of her family name. She should have gone crazy and like become as crazy as Leatherface or the new Leatherface or some sort of passing of the torch or something. Like this whole idea of she's going to take him home and take care of him and tuck him in and read him stories at night. Like, like, are you trying to make Leatherface lamer? Like, and again, we started at such a strong place and we end with this. No movie. For somebody that... For somebody that she didn't know existed until you know eight hours earlier that day, and who's killed and all of her friends? He's he's killed all. Well, the cop killed one of them, but right, that's uh, true. <laughs> it was an accident. Um, but you're right; he's killed his her friends. He tried to kill her. Yep. Um, narrowly missed when she was hiding in the coffin, which was kind of a, a good scene. But I mean, I, I'd but forgive you if you all did all that to me. She, so, <laughs> family's she family. She finds out. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's like family's family, I guess, but come on. I just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't get behind that. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But again, I'll finish where I started. Like, it's almost there, though. Like, it's almost really good, which makes me resent it that it, that it just sort of dropped the ball kind of completely in the, in, in the third act. Uh, I like it the less, the deeper we get into the movie, unfortunately. But, I mean... Look, I'm a guy who defends the Friday the 13th series, you know, if I can defend Jason versus Carrie or Jason goes to hell or, you know, like, (laughs) this is not, this is certainly not the bottom end of the series by any measure. Uh, They were trying something different. I just don't think everything paid off necessarily for them. Uh, But you're going to get your money's worth if you want to see some dumb teenagers get chainsawed. You do get that. You mentioned the, the, uh, the half shirt. You seem to like that yes, as well. Yes, the half shirt. Mm-hmm. Did you put? 
Did you find that the tragedy when she was at the police station and they gave her a new shirt? Yeah. Said, oh, I like that half shirt. But then so they, they give her his button-up blouse that yeah. she decides to only use one button. And they later have that cut when she's being hung up or strung up in the warehouse yeah. or wherever they were. So no shortage on the uh, Alexandria, Daddario, Cleavage, and uh, and Midriff. So that works. Yeah, it was movie. this. <laughs> but it was like this unrealistic sort of weird constant tease of nudity that Without was it. at the forefront in every and, and you talk about her trying to get away from the murderer by jumping on the ferris wheel <laughs> you know ferris wheels go up and then they're going to come back down yeah that that does not seem like the the best ex <laughs> escape path and i mean it all for me it all comes down to her throwing the chainsaw to him and saying do your thing cuz and <laughs> then all right. me telling the movie to fuck itself yeah and, everybody uh, out of the <laughs> pool <laughs> here we go yeah <laughs> That's it. You ready for your present? Now go on now, pick it up. Leatherface. This is the last of the Texas Chainsaw movies we're going to be talking about today because they don't have any more yet. As the time of at the time of this recording, it was directed by Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Maury. They directed an infamous French horror movie called Inside, about a pregnant woman dealing with a home invasion. That's just absolutely fucked. Um, and I think you'll notice right away there's something different about this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. First of all, it has a very clear through-line narrative in a way almost none of the other ones do, and that it's not about a bunch of kids <laughs> that go to a place and are tortured for half the movie. It's sort of like Stand By Me meets The Hills Have Eyes <laughs> in its approach to things. And I throw a little bit of Natural Born Killers I found in there too. Maybe, but it's certainly not as jittery or, or, or you know, seizure-inducing as Natural Born Killers yeah. is. Uh, it definitely brings the gore, and it's definitely a new take on the origin of Leatherface. So we have another prequel going on here, but this one's taking place, place before the Texas Chainsaw in the continuity of Chainsaw 3D, <laughs> if that still makes sense to anybody. It's got a good and interesting cast. Um, Stephen Dorff has grown up in the horror uh, cinema. Like his first job was being the kid in the gate. He was a villain in one of the Blade movies. Like he's just he's done horror a lot throughout his career, uh, and he's playing a quote crazy cop. And Lily Taylor, in a surprising role, plays the matriarch of the of, yeah. the, of the family and uh, a really poisonous influence and her presence in this movie surprises me not just because of like her pedigree as an actress she's done plenty of horror movies but 
because I've heard her speak on podcasts about how she takes very seriously things on mental illness, and this movie does not take mental illness seriously at no. all, at all, at all, at all. First of all, there's a lot, I think, to admire in the production value, the cast, the acting, the, the production of the movie. I think a lot's in the heart's in the right yeah. place, but there's something about the movie you can't quite put your finger on. I think part of the problem is this. French directors, English cast, shot in Bulgaria. I think that's right, but uh, somewhere in Europe anyway, that was where they shot it. Mm -hmm. uh, it it's like the least American made of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. And there's something about this franchise that I do think, not to be precious with it, but I, I think is sort of singularly American. <laughs> like... Yeah, the, the British version of, has of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't read to me, at least not the same way. It would be a different kind of crazy. Um, so the aesthetic, although good, doesn't seem to 100% click into place for me. And once again, we are being asked to sympathize with the Sawyer family. And once again, I find that fundamentally impossible and that kills the dramatic and narrative stakes that the movie's trying really hard to set up. So once again, it's one of these movies that I think it was almost something really special. But in the end, it's just another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. But I'd be happy to hear a second opinion. Mentioning how this was the first time I had watched Leatherface, this movie. Um, for whatever reason, I avoided it on purpose. I not sure what it was i just had a really negative feeling about what this was going to be right and uh, and i thought you know what i after the route the movies were taking with 3d i did not want to i just thought i really had a bad feeling right. and anyway so i watched it and uh it was not bad it was it's a good movie i'll, I'll say that it moves along interestingly it doesn't feel like a texas chainsaw movie to me and you notice that kind of right away. It almost feels like you said there's stand by me moments. There's, uh, you know, I've, I found there a bit of a road movie portion, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, like a natural born killers type. I is kind of what I got, especially right. in that diner scene. Yeah. Brutal. But, um, I, I don't know. And that's okay to make your movie different, but, um, it, it's very, uh, sectioned. I found there's a first little bit. It's an intro to Leatherface as a kid with his family. Then you get about a 20-minute section in the asylum. Yeah. And then there's a breakout in the asylum. And then you get a half hour of these mental patients on the road. And then you get that stops. And then, and then the third half hour is your prequel to becoming Leatherface. Yeah. So one thing, I was really getting into the movie after I realized, okay, this is not like any of the other films. So just let it happen. And I was kind of getting into it and especially the part when there's the four of them on the road and then that part stopped yeah. and I was like kind of thinking well shit I was kind of getting into this but uh, during moments of that I forgot it was related to Texas Chainsaw because there was not a lot of <laughs> Texas Chainsaw in that portion they were consciously changing it up but they may have changed it up so much that we lost the feel and thread of like what we think a Texas Chainsaw Massacre is at this point I think the movie they made has got its own interesting things. Like, there's some good stuff in it. I also think a couple of the twists that they're trying to pull off in the movie don't work. I fundamentally have problem, again, with pitying the Sawyer family, because they established they killed that sheriff's daughter 
brutally for no reason for fun they lure her into yeah. the, the booby trapped barn and, and then drop a, a, an engine on her or something huge metal apparatus anyway so yeah he goes crazy and he wants blood for what they did to him and yeah they escape out of a mental institution and yeah he does some way over the line crazy shit through the movie but emotionally i'm more sympathetic to his character than i am to any of the sawyer clan and yeah they go through hell and yeah like uh the the character who ends up playing uh, being leatherface is put through a lot of shit but I also thought it was a clumsy misdirection that they tried to imply that a different character was going to be Leatherface. It's it's not that they tried to imply. They were doing everything they could to say, this is Leatherface, by the way. And because oh, they were trying so hard, my, my antenna was up. So, again, a big twist moment happens in the movie, and I was like, yeah, I saw that shit coming, right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, spoiler alert for this, if you care, but... Um, yeah, they, they kind of leave this one a mystery because the, all the Sawyer kids are gathered up, or, or Jed anyways, and they're put into this institution with all these other troubled kids. They're given different names so they can forget their past. So we're reintroduced to them, what, 10 years later or so, Yeah. and they all have different names. So we are introduced to a character who looks an awful lot like we would expect Leatherface to look. Yeah. He's mute. He's... Uh, He's large. He's got you know that big hair, and uh, he's got this brutal force. And he kills folks. So we think, and and we think this is our Leatherface yeah. as a youngster, but because they're saying they have different names, they're doing this for a reason. So we know, you know what, that's not going to end up being him. So we kind of know who it's going to be. It's too easy. But every, right. But then as the movie progresses, everything that this character does, it says. Oh, this is totally Leatherface. Look how he walks. He walks like Leatherface walks. Look how he killed that guy. He curb stomped that and, dude. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the, so, all of the kids that escape from the Institute that you talk about, like, I don't like any of them, really. Like, the, the girl with all of the burns and who likes to make out mm. with corpses. Here we have our first genuine sex scene in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and it's one of the most repellent things, like, in the whole franchise. Uh And they don't even end up doing much with that character. They spend so much time setting her up as being this specific, like, crazy, psycho, pyromaniac, necrophile, psycho. And, like, uh, they don't... they they That character completely dead ends for us, right? But when she's taken out off the game, when she dies, the other characters are like, no, not that psycho bitch, right? The slaughter sequence you talk about in the restaurant is very entertaining, but why did they do that? Why did they do that? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Because... Because it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and they want to have that body count to it. And boy, does it. This has got like double digits body count in it. They're not sparing on the red at all. That escape and riot sequence from the asylum, that that dude who gets killed with the window pane. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Damn. By the guy that, yeah, by the guy that should have been Leatherface. Yeah. Um, I mean, did they need to make it have a twist? Couldn't they just have shown, because I would have bought into it then. And saying, okay, well, this is him now. Another it turns thing, out that Leatherface is it's actually the, the handsome, well-spoken, polite boy. Who's like five which, foot nothing. Like, he's going to have to grow two feet and, yeah. like, gain 300 pounds to be Leatherface. I just don't believe that's, it. That's what I'm going to see. 
Yeah, I want to know what what part of it does he uh, gain three hundred pounds in the in Do three feet? Do they have an imagined sequel where he gets toxic waste dumped on him and he bulks out like a like a fucking hayseed Hulk? <laughs> I, I don't and, know. And, he, and when does he stop speaking and and start just uh, using grunts and shrieks and uh, I don't know the the change from the character to Leatherface at the end when it happens. It's very quick yeah. and sudden, and it feels rushed. If uh, it's, why? Because the police killed his friend, and now he wears faces and doesn't speak. And it, it was very quick. It, this maybe I don't know if you want a two-hour Texas Chainsaw movie, maybe not. But maybe you needed a little bit more. You needed something again as a stylistic movie their approach to the violence and to some of the character work i think these directors are very strong and it didn't leave me as oh, yeah. gutted and, and and humbled as you know inside did i would be interested to see what these guys did next um again it's just it was a weird project for to, to take to them specifically i mean yeah clearly they can operate well within a violent horror genre so but I don't know. It, it it seems like you should make these movies in Texas with Americans. I don't know. The I don't know. There's just something a little bit off. And again, it's one of those movies that's almost there for me. But like, ugh. yeah, it it moves along briskly, and I enjoyed it. And uh, it's just I feel like the point of the movie was to be dishonest and to trick us. Right. Like, I don't think this twist, when we find out who the guy to become Leatherface is, I don't feel like this is like a sixth sense type twist, whereas that's a smart twist. The clues right. were all there. Right. This is just shoving a guy in our face saying, this is Leatherface, this is Leatherface, this is Leatherface, and then ha, saying, ha, we just kidding, you. it's not, it's this guy. Yeah, we tricked you. Uh, another scene so, that I will call shenanigans on, although it's, it's pleasantly repugnant, Four grown human beings, including like that big leather faced looking guy, hiding inside the carcass of one dead cow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Do, like, like as a conceit to hide from the dogs, that would work. But four adult human beings inside one cow, they must have been more than spooning. <laughs> like, they must have been <laughs> in each other. <laughs> so, I mean... uh, <laughs> They really had to have the guy come out and say, oh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> uh, again, I, I, liked, I, I liked it well enough, but it's just, it's not quite there for me. So that's, that's where I wash up on it. I wouldn't give up on the directors. I like the cast. I think Stephen Dorff does some interesting work. Like I said, uh, I'm more sympathetic to his crazy because these, these Sawyer clan's been around his life for decades and they just kill people and get away with it. And they're in his face about it, you know? Like, uh, he does yeah. terrible things, but in uh, taken on, on, on measure, he's less evil than they are. <laughs> yeah, and it's another one of those movies where the town and the sheriffs, they show up saying, all right, Sawyers, enough's enough. Yeah. No more killing. We know what you're up to in this house. Um, they do recreate the farmhouse inside again with the bones on the wall. You see Leatherface has his room with the cow uh cow skulls but he's only got like two of them up there right it's uh so i do i i, I dig some of it and uh, it, like i said it's an entertaining movie i do enjoy it it's just when it's all said and done i don't really buy that this is the guy that's gonna grow up to be that guy i agree man i agree i, I do want to talk one last thing yeah about the cold open 
Okay. Um, when we meet, they show us Jed, which is Leatherface's name. Um, they give him a chainsaw for his birthday as a little boy, and they instruct him to use it on this guy they have tied up. And, and he's he kind of reluctant. And at first, as I said, I had not seen this movie before this time. So I was like thinking, I was a little upset that Jed didn't look deformed at all, like I imagined Leatherface would look. But I said, okay, well, it's a prequel. It's, something's going to happen. They're going somewhere with this. Well, I'll let it go. Right. But uh, he couldn't bring himself to actually kill this guy. So we get a young grandpa. He finishes the job with the mallet. That's right. And, and I loved that moment because that's what I've been waiting for. His grandpa is <laughs> a little bit younger. He's still a grandpa, but he's, you know, a reasonable, he's what, 50, 60, whatever, like yeah. grandpa age. Um, and he and can get so the he, job done. He doesn't need any help getting that job done. <laughs> like they said, grandpa's always the best. And right there, grandpa hits the guy with the mallet and then title card. Yeah. And I leaned forward in my chair and said, okay, he's going to be all right. <laughs> and I was thinking, we're going to learn more about grandpa. And we don't. We don't learn more. But that was the moment I thought, oh, great, grandpa. We're going to see why was grandpa the best. Damn but that we do see him pre- one more time, like sitting in a rocking chair, you know, for the sunset. Fucker's got your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, I liked that moment. Oh. I just wanted to say that. Fair enough, brother. Texas Chainsaw Massacres, eight of them, spanning 45 years. Um, I'm curious to hear what your list is. I'm confident that we will agree on the bottom of the list, but after that, my confidence kind of gets shaky. (laughs) So what was the least of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres in Scott Lehman's opinion? Well, here we go. Number eight is The Next Generation. What? What? (laughs) <laughs> I see. I feel safe on that, and that's just simply on the fact that it's just a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, no other reason other than it's a terrible movie. <laughs> it really is. So it, it belongs on. They just made those. I mean, it was a crazy movie to start with, and then they went shake that turn into crazy land, and uh, never came back from right. it. So there you go. Number seven. Yeah. Is going to be the Texas Chainsaw 3D. Okay. Or just Texas Chainsaw. And that's because as much as Do Your Thing Cuz really rubbed me the wrong way, it didn't rub me, it didn't bother me as much as the entirety of Next Generation. Right. Um, yeah, as you said, it's got some okay ideas, aside from the bad, larger, larger bad ideas, and it's got some really good graphic kills, but it's also got some of the worst CGI of the franchise, and that kind of hurt it. Yeah. Number six is a film called Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. Yeah. Um, I think of all the films, it felt like this one might be the least memorable as far as there's nothing really that stands out to 
you know, take from it as far as, oh, this is the chapter where this and this happened. It seems to me it's most famous for inexplicably getting an X rating and needing to be trimmed. I think this was released around the same time as Friday the 13th movies were getting chopped up really yeah. bad too. So maybe uh, that hurt it a bit, but it's just one of those, it's, it's okay. It's a slasher sequel. Also named Leatherface, the prequel, right. I'm putting in fifth place. As I say, it's not a bad movie, but I, it doesn't really feel like it's part of this franchise as you're watching it. Uh, they tie it together at the end and at the beginning, but in between that, it's a, it's a, an escaped asylum, crazy people kind of movie, yeah. which is enjoyable, but it didn't really have that Texas Chainsaw feel to it. And and I just don't know if I can really fully buy that this is who this is, if you know what I mean. I hear you completely. So for that reason, it, I like it, but I can't put it higher than fifth. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, number four, the remake prequel. Right. I, yeah, that might be the most graphic overall, possibly, of the movies. Um, and it was great having R. Lee back. And uh, at that point of the, the marathon, like I said, it was kind of nice having two in a row that felt like they belonged together. <laughs> uh, it's it's a pretty grisly movie, but uh, I kind of like that. That's why we're here. Yeah. I wouldn't be talking about him if I didn't. And number three, the I put Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in third spot. It's intentionally funny. And uh, if you want to pretend it's not funny, it's it's an entertaining horror movie with some strange things that happen. Some strange there's some strange lines. corners, yes. You got you got Bill Mosley, Tom Savini's involved. Dennis Hopper, Caroline Williams does a good job. There's some scary scenes, and the humor works. And I have an appreciation for things that are purely '80s in the horror genre. Oh, you know I and, do too. You know I do too. <laughs> And this definitely fits in there. Uh, and especially if uh, the, that Scream Factory Blu-ray for it really makes it pop out more than... This is the first time I've seen it on that format. Right. I used to have a DVD of it, and it does actually make it look a lot better, too. I see things I've never seen in the movie before, so maybe that helped as well. Um, I didn't mention the mask in, in this one as well. It's The mask is done differently. It's, uh, it's being wanted it to look like it was made from three or four different faces right. all sewn together and you do get that feel yeah so uh, I, I do like that and then we get to the top two is it going to be the remake or the original drum roll I, I do <laughs> I do hear a lot of people put the remake at number one um, and I can understand that it is well made tense and scary and I think it successfully recreates the mood of the original but I got to put it at number two because the gold standard for me is is the one that started it all. The movie with Leatherface screaming out of the door like a maniac and grabbing a woman in broad daylight and bringing her back into the house. Yeah. Um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for some strange reason, I, I watch that movie annually. It's uh, it, it it will always be there for me. It's a special movie for you. There's something about that hook scene, man. It's one of the most violent, not violent sequences in, in, in horror history. They show us the hook. They show us coming for it. We don't see anything, but it's awful. It's awful. 
well, and I do enjoy the the opening, that sound of the camera flash, which oh, they yes. bring into the ones. Your room is dark when you're watching it, and then you get that flash. You see glimpses of the body. I I love it. Yeah, it's it's number one for me. That's probably not a surprise. You knew I was going to put that one number one. No. Um, well, there's my list. I hope we're going to part company, friends. Here, our lists do not line up. Dun dun dun. Um, yeah, I had a feeling. I am not as deep into the chainsaw franchise as some. It's not my favorite genre. Part of it's the inconsistency, and part of it's just that, like I said at the introduction, I like my movies to be a little bit more fun. So take that into consideration when considering my list. I hope you're not offended. Here we go. In well, eighth... I didn't make the movie, so... Yeah. In eighth position, yes. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. It is flatly awful. It's a terrible movie that people wish that they could burn every copy, but unfortunately they can't. It will always be there, and it'll always have, however small, an audience of, you know, TCM completists that will put themselves through it. But oh. even though even though it does have genre favorite, you know, Rennie Zellweger, who is <laughs> <laughs> always in these films, always. Um, in seventh position, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. I think that short of The Next Generation, that was the movie in which I felt the most bored watching it, which is weird because it comes in the time frame. It would be sort of my sweet spot for this type of movie. I think you're right. It did come out of that age where horror movies were just getting molested by the, you know, uh, editing and, and by, you know, the what's the name of the system that that uh, cuts up movies anyway at that particular time yeah. not only were they making horror movies cut the violence out of movies but they were actually destroying the footage so we couldn't ever mm -hmm. see the completed versions and part of this movie feels a little incomplete and maybe that's part of it but i wanted leatherface to be better than it was controversially in sixth position i am putting leatherface 2017 I think it is the most stylistically adjacent to the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Of the movies, it felt the least like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I can appreciate its ambition, but I think it kind of started coloring outside the lines a little too much and just became something altogether different. That wasn't a bad thing necessarily. It's not even necessarily a bad movie, but if I'm ranking it in Texas Chainsaws, that's where it, that's where it fell which I think might be controversial. In fifth, well, I don't know. They, you're with me? They, they could have made an interesting... I'm curious. They could have made it maybe an interesting movie, but maybe don't tie it to Texas Chainsaw in Almost. the last 30 minutes. What would that have been? Yeah. But, if it was like a surprise prequel or something. I don't know. Um, in fifth place, I'm putting 3D, which I know, like, it gets pretty ludicrous... <laughs> It, what? <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty ludicrous by towards the end of that movie. I, I get it, but I think like it started pretty sure-footed. It has some good kills in it. It has a good percentage of fun. It's just you know the, my inner horror nerd is occasionally outraged. It stubs its toes pretty badly towards the end, but it's an efficient enough dumb teenagers get killed by Leatherface movie, and I guess that's what we're here to watch. Fourth, you're giving it bonus. You're giving it bonus points for the half shirt, aren't the you? The half shirt might have got me there. <laughs> the, the Damn it. Um, in fourth place, we're back into agreement. I put the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. 
bless Arlie Ermey, and like it is a vicious, visceral horror movie, and it does not apologize for it. And I, I, I can respect that. You know, <laughs> go hard or go home. We, we, <laughs> we didn't come here to not see chainsaw massacres. <laughs> so um, I felt like I was hard of it on a review, but it, it's not as good as the remake. But it, it, it's a seriously decent standalone Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. In third place, we're going to agree again, the batshit crazy Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Say what you will about Toby Hooper, he is not guilty of repeating himself in this case, you know? Like, he made a very different, but in its own way, equally memorable Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I wouldn't say better, but it it sticks with you. It's it's hard to shake, and yeah. Um, I think... uh, it's much worse for a movie to be forgettable than for it to be out, you know, bad. It's just like if you don't have any memory of the movie, if it doesn't stay with you at all, it's it's failed to make any impression, good or bad. So, yeah. Uh, say what you will about part two; it's not guilty of that. It it it, it leaves an impression. So here we come to top two time and time where for the second time while we discussed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I hurt Scott's feelings. By putting the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre in second place. I had, I had a feeling you would. I get it. I get it. But if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself, at some point, the the irritation factor of that guy in the wheelchair and just the visceral experience of the movie overtakes it to where I found it unpleasant. Just the sheer experience of it became unpleasant. That was all intentional, but... Unpleasant is unpleasant, and it hurts the rewatchability for me. The remake is very professionally made, very professionally executed, very professionally acted, but most importantly, it's scary. It's not just the experience or the shrillness of it. That movie scared me. And even rewatching it, it's got some real rough moments to it. Uh, and, like, this was a pretty sacred product that they were remaking here. They had every chance to fuck it up. And the fact that they didn't, I mean, big points to Marcus Nispel. He didn't do quite as well with the Friday the 13th, but this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie does, for me, what I want this type of movie to do. It thrills me, it brings the violence, and it brings the scares. Um, so I'm putting it in first place. Maybe a controversial move, but it's just how I feel, brother. Well, if that remake wasn't so good, I would accuse you of blasphemy right now. <laughs> right. But as I said, I I can see it. I can see people putting that number one. It's an easier watch because it's not as as you know the word you use is irritating. I guess with the Shrill. screaming and yeah. But uh, it's it's equally as nasty. Oh, for sure. But. Uh, Whatever. But I definitely put uh, the 3D too high on the list at fifth place. You're thinking that was that was an error in judgment on my part. Well, I don't know. I mean, whatever. It did. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, let's um, fight, Scott. I insist. <laughs> I think because you maybe you're not as passionate about the franchise, it's right. easier. And I think because I want this to be so good, it bothers me more when it's not. Right. Because I want. I want to be scared of Leatherface, and I, I and I want to not feel sympathetic for him, and I, I don't want the police to be the bad guys. Right. And I, and I don't want someone to find out. Wait, that's my cousin. Oh, well, I love my cousin that I just found out I'm related to. But um, 
So, so, so in that case, all of a sudden, I was angry at the movie, so I, I couldn't put it as high. If you can get by that and not get angry at the movie, it's an entertaining enough. Uh, I can get that. Scott was good enough to come up, did you say, with a top six? Well, I had a top five a top and five, an honorable mention, okay. I guess. Top five uh, and an for... honorable mention for the kills. I mean, if we're going to talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we got to bring back the Jerry's and we got to talk kills. So please, Scott, what, in your opinion, were the best kills of these eight Texas Chainsaw Massacre films? Well, let me see what you think of this, but the honor... I'm going to give an honorable mention. It does make the top five, but... A shout-out to Franklin in the original mm-hmm. for getting killed. He gets that spot just because we're so annoyed by his whininess that we're kind of a little bit happy that finally we don't have to hear him anymore. The chainsaw so, sounds so good job. better, yeah. And, it, and it's also brutal. You're, mm. you're, killing, you're slicing a guy in a wheelchair with a, with a chainsaw, so it is still kind of nasty. Um, I think the fifth, when I put in fifth, this was kind of thrown together pretty quick, but uh, the, the character's name is Dean from the Texas Chainsaw Beginning. He gets a chainsaw through the back, and he's actually lifted off the ground. Yep. As Leatherface is uh, grinding that chainsaw right through him. Pretty grisly kill in a pretty grisly film. Number four, I'm giving it to Kirk from the original. He is Leatherface's first victim. Classic. There's there's something about the way his leg twitches after he's hit with the mallet. I have not seen something like that a lot where... The kill isn't just now he's dead. He suffered and his, those involuntary twitches, I just found brutal. Yeah. And it stuck with me. Number three, kind of a bit of a tie with two kills in the beginning. It's the biker character. Nice. Leatherface, first kill. He gets the chainsaw right through his torso and, and just the celebration between everybody in that room after it. <laughs> and he goes downstairs then with, you know, swinging his big dick. And he slices that guy up on the table and rips off his face. Um, that's pretty strong. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the, the one I think about for number two is from the 2003. Good old uh, Morgan hanging from the chandelier and getting sawed upwards into the crotch. That's an ouch. Yeah. That, that one you feel. And uh, the top kill for me is probably from the... Texas Chainsaw, the 3D or not 3D, right. the meat hook in the back for the character Kenny. Gets, uh, meat hook in the back while he's running away. He gets dragged back into the room, hung on a hook, and very, very graphically sawed in half. Yep. And his entrails are dripping out of him. That is a disgusting kill, and, and that's the one that comes to mind as the top one for me. Yeah. I don't know. Do you agree well, with any of those? We, we definitely agree on the number one kill. I was de- like, my jaw was dropped by it and the movie hadn't been that wet up till that point. So like, we were like, Oh shit, we're <laughs> okay. Here we are. Uh, I agree with that. But, um, I, I think if I'd heard your list beforehand, I might've changed it to the, that, that first kill with this, that, that ends with the slamming of that metal door in the original, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you're right there's something so awful about that and the way he wanders so placidly or placidly into that situation like he is walking yeah. to his death we know it he doesn't and it's just awful 
Um, my honorable mention, which I didn't count because it's more of a suicide than the kill, it was the hitchhiker suicide in the remake. Because that was really troubling. Like that really put like <laughs> <laughs> that put a lead weight in my stomach. Like yeah, that, that was made for IMAX. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Um, I also wanted to talk about briefly because we had quite the range in Leatherface's. Um, I mean, for me, not to put the cart before the horse, I I have to give it to Gunnar Hansen, I guess, overall, because he was at least attempting nuance with the character. But for all of the shit that I gave the Leatherface, the 1990 version, I really liked the look of Leatherface in that movie. Hmm. Uh, like the uh, sort of aesthetic look of it and I sure wouldn't take anything away from the leather face of the remake um, what he lacks in character nuance he makes up in physical fucking men- menace but it's hard not to go instinctively to Gunnar Hansen because well that's where it all began do you have a favorite leather face and why or? Uh, yeah well the remake one I think is uh, is quite good I mean it's the same character that played the remake and the prequel right. remake whatever you pre-make pre-make um yeah he's he's kind of close to gunner hansen he's big he's brutal and uh takes no shit but yeah you're right gunner kind of created the character and uh and modeled some created something that everyone's kind of tried to do their own takes on um he did it best i think that combination of scared and dangerous and you feel um, an I don't inner think... life to the character, which you wouldn't think would be obvious or easy to accomplish. He's wearing a flesh mask and a bib and overalls. Like, like yeah. how do you how do you project any kind of complexity out of that? But it's there. And he's it's he's a different villain. I wouldn't even say he's evil. Um, you know, like Freddy Krueger loves to kill people. Yeah. He wants to kill everybody. Michael Myers is evil. Yeah, he kills. It's what he does. Leatherface, I think, is just not quite right he's you know he has his issues his family is definitely evil they take a lot of pleasure in what they're doing and, and they uh, push him in the wrong direction but uh, yep. he is kind of a victim as well i mean maybe not enough to make for all the dead bodies he's left in his wake but no he's he's <laughs> i'm not making excuses for him he's a bad dude <laughs> well but I, I don't think he knows maybe what he's doing is as wrong as it is well, look, look, here's where I've come. There, there was a time where I would have been embarrassed or ashamed to admit that I, you know, had seen all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, let alone liked them. And, and just because I say they're not my favorite franchise, I mean, I, I own all of them. Here we are talking about them on my horror movie podcast. They're part of the, you know, the horror movie mix, and I, I get it. And I, I'm happy to do it, and I'm thrilled to do this one with, with you because I know that it's, it's something that's sort of reigned high in your imagination for a long time. Uh, it was interesting to, you know, end up reviewing the same movie with the same person twice. But I think, I think we've mastered it. I think we did a good job. Even though, even though you didn't win today, we're both winners, Scott. We're all winners. We're all winners if we're not on the bad end of a chainsaw. I think I'm going to go watch Toy Story 4 or something next, just to lighten It's surprisingly the decent, you know? Yeah. As much as I could talk chapter and verse about Leatherface and all of his movies, I, I can also talk Pixar. You want to talk Pixar? Or I'll talk oh, yeah. Pixar. Let's do the next Pixar retrospective. I'm in. Thanks so much, brother. Always fun.
that is a lot of death and a lot of grim conversations about a lot of grim fates and grim storytelling. So I hope you enjoyed that. If enjoyed is the right word, and I uh, would love to hear some feedback. Send feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. If you're hungry for more horror podcasting, I invite you to check out the Terror Table podcast. Uh, they're also a horror-themed podcast that's local to me, and they do really good stuff, so please support their work as well. Thank you for listening to Rank and Review. I'm your hosting and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. And we'll be talking to you soon.